0: in new york i 'm Lisa Butterworth, and this is caught red handed it hasn 't happened yet that this podcast requires a disclaimer, so I hope i 'm doing this right. In this episode, the existence of sex and sexuality is acknowledged. If you're under 18, please ask your parents if you can listen to this episode. If you're over 18 and don't want to know that these things exist, that there is actually an industry devoted to it, and people who work in it, I suggest you press pause and walk away. I'll give you a few seconds to do that now. Okay, everyone else, welcome to episode 17 of the Caught Red Handed podcast. This episode is unusual in that my guest is not really a henna artist. She used to be, but she is no longer a henna artist. Her name is Donya. She and I live in this strange little area of Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. On the street outside, you'll find tire shops, used appliance shops, car painting shops, etc. And there's a train line running overhead. It does not look like a place where people live, but we do live here and we love it. We live in a collection of buildings with interesting spaces inside the apartments ...and we all share a common patio and a yard. It's kind of like a little village, and many of us are artists. There are a lot of dogs and cats and even some kids who all play with each other and with the dogs and the cats. I've lived here for about 12 years, and I met my guest at one of these events that we do here in our backyard, and we kind of bonded over henna. About a year ago, before I had even recorded the first episode of this podcast, I ran into Donia on the subway heading back to Brooklyn... And I asked her what she's been up to lately. She mentioned teaching a workshop, and I realized that I didn't really know what she did for a living. So for the next half hour, as we went back to Brooklyn, I peppered her with questions about her work as a small business consultant. And in the back of my head, I was thinking, wow, this would make a great podcast interview. Now, mind you, the podcast was still just an idea at that time, but I was already collecting ideas for it. It struck me that there were so many areas of commonality between her clients and us henna artists, and I felt certain that she could provide a very interesting perspective on the life and work of a henna artist. I kept that idea in the back of my mind, not really trusting my intuition that this could be a great episode. And several months later, I finally worked up the courage to write her an email, and then I got no reply. I couldn't figure out why. Maybe she was offended Uh, Maybe she thought I was crazy, maybe my email didn't even get through, but I was really convinced I really wanted this interview, so I persevered and I emailed her to ask her what she thought about my request to be a guest on the podcast, and apparently she had just let my email slip and um, hadn't replied. She was very apologetic and said that she was totally up for being interviewed, and then months went by as the two of us went back and forth trying to figure out when would be a good time to meet up and have this interview. It's funny because we live about 30 steps away from each other, but somehow we both manage to be too busy with our lives to even run into each other on the way to work. I feel like this interview surpassed my already high expectations, and I hope that you enjoy it at least as half as much as I did. I'll count that as a success. What I find most interesting about this conversation is how it helped me see the work that we do in a new light, looking at it from her perspective. I'll let you all decide what you think once you listen to it all. And then let's keep this conversation going on the Facebook group for the podcast. I'm really curious to hear what you think about the subjects we covered. So this is the part of the intro where I talk about my henna life, and this is a very brief little interlude. Uh, Winter is kind of coming and going here in the Northeast. We had 60 degrees here the other day, and then the temperature went down to 20. Today, it's just partially cloudy and kind of cold, kind of warm. I don't know. I think that my clients are just waiting for some consistently warm weather to venture out of their houses. I have been doing some henna, mostly private appointments, but I love those. So I'm not complaining at all. I like that they usually want me to be creative. And I love that conversation that flows out of two people sitting down and joining together to create art. And to keep myself in practice, I've accepted a few volunteer gigs, which I don't usually do. For one of them, I was supposed to do henna for a bunch of Moroccan royals, but they canceled at the last minute. It was all part of a bigger charity gig. I'm kind of bummed about that, but that's life. And coming up in a few days, I'm doing henna for a yoga group that's raising money to help Indian kids who have been sex trafficked. Besides the gigs, I'm still working hard to implement all the advice I get from my guests on the podcast. And now that I've talked to a business consultant, I have a lot more advice to follow. And I may even sit down with Donya to get a free consult from her and get me on a better path. Please enjoy the conversation. I am here with a friend and neighbor of mine who I met maybe eight, nine years ago. And she and I started talking because she found out I was a henna artist and she told me she was a henna artist and she's actually from Seattle. So, um, if you could just introduce yourself and also describe what you do, cause I feel like if I try and say what you do, I'm going to mash it all up. So I want you to tell <laughs> me what you do and what it's all about.
1: <laughs> Hi. Um, I am a, I'm a business coach. Some people would say can of whoop ass <laughs> uh, I specialize in working uh, primarily with sex experts sexuality okay. professionals okay. Uh, companies in the adult industry. okay so what's a sex expert? Um, I define that as a, you know a sexuality professional would be uh, I've worked with sexuality authors, uh, sex therapists, radical sex educators. Um, what else? Holistic sex sex coaches, mm-hmm. um, intimacy coaches. Uh, yeah. Um, so I I typically with individuals is I help them build their business. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at creating a brand, uh, what their business model is, and identifying their niche market. And a niche market is you know like the you know, sometimes I think when people get into business, they want to work with everyone. Mm-hmm. And a niche market is the people who should be working, you should be working with okay. based on your chemistry, your rapport what you're selling, what your product is, what you want to
0: achieve with your what, business yeah, and what you
1: want to achieve with yeah. your business. And it, it gets, you get a more focused message mm-hmm. and it becomes a more effective sales process. So mm-hmm. like your, you end up, connecting with people who really need your services. And so what happens is they become repeat clients.
0: Oh, okay. the yeah. customer
1: loyalty is created. Mm. Trust is created. And so we identify what that market is and then we put it all together. Um, we talk about advertising strategies. I think websites are, in in this war in this day and age are so absolutely important. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we look at creating your piece of real estate on the web and what Mm -hmm. that means and how to get Mm -hmm. the word out there and social media, social media is another thing that we address. It's an amazing, almost a lot of the times free way to talk about what you do. Um, Blogs are another thing. So I help them. I, I, I work with them and hold their hand or, assist them in creating this whole thing. And then, you know, I, we, I work with them through launch and then follow up. We, we look at administrative practices. We look at things as, as simple as phone etiquette, okay. um, screening for individuals who work in more kind of intimate spaces, especially like therapists or, you know, where you're working one-on-one with people where they're coming into your home mm-hmm. and you're going into theirs. Mm-hmm. So we look at that as well.
0: So, all right. So you do like, um, business consultancy and, and then is there kind of a difference between like the business end of thing, things and, um, kind of the, um, I don't know what you call it, like the safety issues or is that, you all know, it's actually all,
1: it? it is, it's interesting cause it's absolutely all intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, a professional brand on the internet and, and a professional presentation speaks volumes um, and it creates an environment where viewers, clients, customers mm-hmm. are l- less li- that level. They rise that level. And they're, li- they're less likely to engage in you know uh, negotiation of your rates or anything oh, like right, that. Right, right, right. You know yeah. what I mean? It's mm-hmm. Um, I call it, uh, an unbreakable brand basically, mm-hmm. you know, when you have a very professional, your clients, customers will only take you as seriously as you take your business. Yeah. Right. So it's that, you know, some people will, will get a, a website on Wix, which is a free template site. Right. And some people will invest the money in having a professional designer do it, Right. you know, and as a su- savvy consumer. I can see the difference. Yeah. And you're
0: like, God, the person who did the free website, I don't know if they're really up, you know, at that level where I can trust them.
1: Yeah. Like exactly. It's all about trust. Mm -hmm. And so safety is a part of that, right? Like if I see somebody who has a professional brand, who has a professionally Mm -hmm. done website, who is clearly like, like, you know, has all this attention to detail. Mm-hmm. I'm less, I'm not only do I have more trust in what they're selling, mm-hmm. I'm less likely to mess with them. Right.
0: Exactly. you know, like, let me rates. find somebody who's I'm a little not gonna bit less pro. Yeah. And I'll, I'll mess around if with them. If that's what but... my
1: intention is in the yeah, first exactly, place. Exactly. And sometimes I think also for those types of consumers, um, I think if you can bring them in, you're educating them on how to be a good consumer. Like yeah. if you come to me, here's your opportunity that I'm worth to pay. I'm worth paying. You're getting what more you pay for. than what you have already decided that you're going to pay. Yeah, Does that yeah. make sense? Yep, totally. So, yeah. 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 So I help. I, I, I often, oftentimes when I'm working with individuals, they've done the, the, you know, I'm going to put up a free website. You know right, what I mean? Right, I'm of course. Like, yeah yeah if you want to make the you know it's it there is that old uh cliche i think is that the the more you spend the more you make. Yeah. or, you know, yeah. you get, out, you get out what you put into mm-hmm. it. It's, mm-hmm. there's truth. That's an yeah. absolute truth. And yeah. so, you know, my job, one of the things I do is because, you know, it's in this day and age, money is scarce, right? So oftentimes I'm having delicate conversations and saying, trust, you have to trust me. Yeah. It's okay put the money in to spend to the money. Pay off there later. is going to be a good return on investment yeah. ROI. Yeah. So uh, that is part of what I do as well. And, you know, another thing that I often work with with clients is... Is coaching around how to set your rates and getting what you mm. feel you're worth yeah. and what you're asking for, mm-hmm. uh, which can also be a very uh, it's a it can also be a very hard uh, conversation. I take a pretty holistic approach to my work because I'm working with humans, and <laughs> I think that there needs to be more of a humanistic approach to work in general and to, yeah. and to especially on business. the internet. And um, it's not. Any, nothing is ever really cut and dry. It's not just about building a good brand, having a great message. It's really, I'm working with yeah. humans. Yeah. I, we have to look at what they're like, where the blockages are yeah. around yeah, money, yeah. where the scarcity is yep. I always, yep. you know, always. And, um, I want to mirror the abundance model. Like mm-hmm. it, everything will be taken
0: care of if you do the work, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I want to go back to those subjects in greater detail a little bit later, because these, this is all kind of triggering thoughts for me as a henna artist and as a business owner. So I definitely want to get back to those. Um, when we talked, I don't know, I ran into you on the train and we had a long conversation. You were telling me everything that you do. Can you tell me all the different ways that you interact with your clients? I think you said you do like workshops and you do parties and stuff. Can you talk a little bit about what you're Work yeah involves. i have a, <laughs> i have a pretty uh um, you have a lot going on a lot of different yeah, I think. well i
1: mean that's just again it's mirroring good business practices right mm. it's uh i call it like diversifying, practicing what you're preaching yeah diversifying your portfolio is a good investment strategy right. so it's the same with your work is that yeah. you should have multiple revenue streams right mm-hmm. um i Work one on one with individuals as a consultant. I also work with companies. I go in um, and consult on issues of uh, sexuality and social justice, um, and how, if you want to be a company, if you're a, a company in the adult industry, how you can be a better company like, like a in-
0: better global citizen or yeah, corporate yeah. citizen, I yeah, guess. Is the word. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And
1: how you can, um, because I think that we're moving into a structure, I think. It feels like in my generation anyway, we're we're wanting to give money to companies that um, are not just taking money from their market, but are also giving back to that community. And feeding right?
0: back into yeah. the so business I go that, in that they're and involved I, in. And I talk
1: about how they can do that and, mm. and what organizations they can feed their money to and cool. to how to have more relevant conversations with their market and mm-hmm. like because that's where they shouldn't just be taking their cues from me they should actually be taking their cues on where to support the community from the community that mm-hmm. they're taking money from right exactly you know right? so yeah. i help catalyze those conversations so that's oh, cool. also part of what i do i do workshops mm-hmm. um small business workshops for sexuality professionals
0: and you do this all over the world or yeah just the states? i
1: do mostly in the states but i've done them in london and berlin and i've done a skype one f- in australia oh cool yeah it's Very a lot cool. of fun uh i also do oh gosh what else did you do, didn't you say you did parties and... i do i do uh i do do events mm-hmm. um events. i host <laughs> i host like some of the people i work with because i think that they need to have multiple revenue streams as well mm-hmm. i encourage them to workshop their skills which is what does that mean? It means taking what you do for mm-hmm. a living and teaching other people how to do it. Oh, cool. Um, there's, a, you know, there's a multiple, there's so many reasons I do that. As I have been a creative artist all my life, and um, I found that when I taught those skills to other people, I was also building a creative army that mm-hmm. I could utilize mm-hmm. for bigger productions yeah. um i think that our greatest ideas happen in collaboration with others but to do that we need to teach those skills to others so yeah. and it's a great it's a great it's a great way to make income it's also a great way to sell your services so like a class is kind of a, an edited version of what you do and oftentimes people in there want to engage it, you know pay mm-hmm. you for your services so it's another yeah. great way it's a marketing technique yeah um, so I do, I do do events where I host, I do events for my clients that I'm working one-on-one with mm-hmm. and I help them
0: do events here in New York. Oh, okay. Um, so you're like, you help them yeah. do theirs. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Okay, cool. hmm And then do you get your various clients to network with each other? Absolutely. Yes. That's another great thing. I am
1: always, I love, it's like a, it's like a wheel and I am the hub and I have all these wonderful spokes and through me, they get to meet. And that's actually one of my favorite parts of the job is connecting to people and um, resource pooling and resource sharing. I, you know, I have, because I work with a wide variety, I'm primarily work with, you know, sex professionals i also work i have a lawyer client
0: uh who specializes in real estate i have a relationship is he co- is he involved in the in the sex industry at all this she guy?
1: is uh she's her uh her specialty is um, real estate law however she is involved in the community through friendships and stuff so that's actually how i met
0: her was at oh, a sexuality okay. conference so you're like you're doing small business consulting for her yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Very I'm helping cool. her move Very her. Cool. Yeah,
1: it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, might, I primarily work with sexuality professionals. However, I also work with individuals who identify as sex positive. And so, oh, you know, okay. I so have worked just with... just on that
0: page with everyone.
1: I, I have done small consults all the way to, like, you know, the full package with people who are lawyers, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a health coach, an artist I've worked with, mm-hmm. um... I've done executive coaching mm. and so, yeah, but oh. you know, I think I, the way I find them is through these communities of people that I, I find myself in anyway. And yeah. I think I love networking. I think that every opportunity is I mean, every time you're kind of even in like a social situation at a party mm. or out at a bar, I love, I, I mean, New York is full of people who do really mm. awesome things. Yeah. And so I think every it's every, like, everybody is an asset not in not, not in a, a direct asset but not like somehow... and not in that kind of shallow way mm-hmm. it's like oh i know this person who does this but i also know this person over here oh my gosh i want to connect that yeah yeah right yeah. cool so uh part of and I, uh, sometimes i've gotten paid for
0: those introductions oh, as well wow.
1: because well they result in collaborative projects that yeah. create financial abundance for both of yeah. those people so. and also
0: if they're happy with what you help them create you know they're that's going to be good press for mm-hmm. you absolutely they'll pass on your information and connect you with network you out to other people yeah i think
1: referral bonuses are awesome i mean it's a it's a way i I, you know i hope that the people i work with refer me anyway because they love the work i do Mm -hmm. but i also love incentivizing that i'm like if you and i think that's another thing you can do with your clients as a way to create more abundance is have an aftercare conversation where you're like did you how did you feel about this Mm -hmm. did you enjoy it would you refer me and did you know that i offer referral and incentives like if you Mm. refer me to one person i'll give you half off your next session or you know my services are they're kind of a significant cost so if somebody refers me and it results in somebody you know it's worth it purchasing my services i will give them like a 200 hundred dollar incentive yeah that's cool yeah yeah it's like like again it's abundance it's like sharing i love the idea of sharing it within the family
0: All of this business that you do, where did that come from? Like, what were you doing before this that brought you, like, I mean, I don't think you went to business school with the idea of doing this. So where did this come from?
1: I I have a
0: (laughs) two-year degree and...
1: Uh, a liberal arts degree, a two-year liberal arts degree. Yes, cool. Uh, you're so, I'm you're a cowboy. Very <laughs> I'm a very like I don't. I feel ah, I just there's something like I don't. Pedigrees have never been something that signified like if they were qualified to do the job. For yeah. me, yeah. I yeah. feel like I took a different, a, very, a radically different approach, and a, like a life hacking approach to what I do now um i have you know i worked in the tech industry during the boom in seattle for a long time what do you do there i did um primarily operations stuff like executive assisting or operations management Um, i've done some human resource work uh, but I've worked at a bunch of different companies because during the boom, companies would like come and go and the first people they lay off was like the kind of operations yeah. and administrative oh, okay. staff. So you're
0: bouncing around um, One
1: of the things I focused primarily on was helping companies that um, were getting funding to um, scale, scalability. Oh, right? okay. So yeah. instituting pol- like pr- procedures that like as more uh, employees were coming in, they were able to scale. So... Uh, and even then I, I went in at ground level Like tech support And I just kind of found myself Moving into that kind of area And as I moved from company to company While I was getting laid off And then I just I, I've always been kind of a creative I went to an arts high school Instead of a regular mm-hmm. high school For um, theater and dance um, And I just the, uh, Corporate culture is so dry I feel like it kind of for a natural creative is very oppressive Mm -hmm. and i'm not very good i mean i'm not very good at taking orders like i'm a i i like having calling my own shots yeah so i'm a natural entrepreneur i guess okay yeah a freelancer um
0: why this business
1: I have been, I have always, I I really grew up in a, with a really sex positive mom.
0: Oh, that's cool. And
1: I never felt shame around being a sexual being. Uh, I learned right away, I, I don't know, I was in tune right away to the idea that um, that part of ourselves was systematically being repressed, oppressed, shamed on a regular basis, and I wanted to create a world where that wasn't the case. And I absolutely unequivocally believe that sexual energy is the biggest energy we have in our bodies, and it's the most sacred energy, and it's the, the energy that drives us to do Anything, pretty much. We <laughs> yeah, I mean, create...
0: if, you, if you think about it biologically, absolutely, like preservation of the species, if nothing else. Well,
1: it's not just about – it's not yeah,
0: – But uh, the, like at the very core, there's that, but then in so many other ways. We
1: create cities. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We create innovations. We create inventions, and I feel like it's all a derivative of that energy. And I feel that if we stop shaming that, that there it, it is the direct – this is going to be a little – Frou frou. It's for the it. direct route <laughs> to world peace. I really do. I really believe that. I feel like if everybody was completely happy in their bodies mm. and,
0: um, and with their sexuality, and with their sexuality, and, and not feeling
1: shamed at all, yeah, there would there would be no hunger. There would be no hoarding of of resources, mm. there, and there would be world peace. That's it. That is the underlying reason I do the work that I do because I feel like we need more people out there talking about sexuality. Um, in a non-harmful way. Yeah. So that's why I do what I do, and um, I the way I arrived. I've always been a creative. I, you know, I I did henna, and mm-hmm. I've always really when I found something that I was connected to, really poured myself into it, and and I would pour myself into these things. And at some point, I'm like, okay, i I'm. It's not that I got uh, disinterested. I just felt like, oh, I'm finished. I've done what I wanted to do. With Henna or or anything? Henna, and then I've I've been a fire performer, a circus (laughs) arts performer for a very long time. I did it for, (laughs) I started in 1998. I've taught thousands of, People like yeah. I, that's not, that's I not I a literal. That's, that's an actual. That's an actual. Like that's an actual calculation. Yeah. I travel. Most of the work I did as a circus performer was teaching. I lived and taught in Italy over cool. a two-year period. Um. So I felt at a certain point I had accomplished. Oh, I, I'd accomplished what I wanted to accomplish with that. Uh-huh. And then I stumbled on to. Uh, the whole time still uh, engaging in sex-positive culture, engaging in conversations, working with women, um, not like working with them, but collaborating with women on how to be more empowered as sexual beings. Mm-hmm. And then I stumbled – I took that and just kind of stumbled onto I, – I realized that there are these – teaching and uh, sexuality and working with sexuality is a really st- – it's a hard job. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I felt like there weren't enough people who were just cheerleaders for (laughs) those people. Yeah. Right. Like I loved engaging in those conversations, but instead of being an educator, I wanted to be the person who helped the educator do it better so that they like, because if the business at a certain point, if you're running your business correctly, it runs effortlessly. Mm -hmm. Right. And when your business is running effortlessly, it gives you the space to shine in your sessions, in your yeah. teaching, in your work. And that is, that doesn't, that's not just, that's not just sexuality. That's mm-hmm. any artist. That's yeah. anything that you're doing. Like when all the business stuff is taken care of, right. when you have all those practices in place. Uh, it gives you the freedom to really focus yeah. on the thing that you love.
0: Yeah. And also we don't go into these art forms To do HTML or to do accounting. (laughs)
1: It's like, yeah, like, you decide that this is what you want your yeah. living to be. And then you're like, oh my yeah. God, I don't have a business degree. I right? know, I know. So I just and I be-
0: don't like doing this. Uh, I used to sell henna and henna supplies. And then one day I was like, where's the creativity in filling little baggies full of henna powder? Where's the creativity in printing out a, a UPS label and dropping it in a mailbox? What? Why am I doing this? And so, you know, that kind of ties into what you're saying, like get somebody. To do it for you, and focus on what is creativity, and and cre- and focus on shining in what mm. you do best. Well, I
1: I like the idea of delegation, mm-hmm. and also my job is to work with creatives and show them that they're if. Mm, to kind of get the hard stuff out of the way and help them find joy in the little stuff that, that gives them the space to do that. Right. I think like handle
0: the website. There's,
1: there's, I mean, there's absolutely stuff that I think it's, it's far more cost effective to delegate to others than to do yourself. Like if you end up doing like a free website, Mm -hmm. ultimately to scale your business, you're going to, you're going to need a professionally done website. Right. So I encourage entrepreneurs to spend the money just to do that in the Mm. first place, because a well done professionally designed website will scale on its own. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, because what you've done is you have to look at your time as currency, right? Yeah. When you're spending your time kind of stumbling through these processes, you're spending your money.
0: Yeah. And you're not spending time doing paying work, like, you know, Servicing yes, your clients exactly, yeah. or
1: doing the stuff that generates that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess building a website will ultimately generate, it, but I think there's more effective uses of generating. Yeah, somebody you know, else has better yeah. expertise. So yeah. you know, website design, accounting, mm-hmm. you can farm out. Uh, I, I. I think that having an assistant is wonderful. <laughs> I have an assistant that comes in 5 hours a week just oh, to take nice. care, of, you know, and I don't need somebody full time. I just have somebody that comes in 5 hours a week to do things like just simply go through the mail, you know what I mean, <laughs> and make great. sure that the bills get paid, cool. get to kind of some of the errands that I can't get to because mm-hmm. my time is valuable. It's a yeah. currency, and it is far cheaper to pay someone else um a lower currency than what I make an hour. Yeah, exactly. So I can focus on other things. Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. So, do you th- do you think that your work, your business consultancy, is creative? Oh, yes, yeah? absolutely.
1: <laughs> I just I don't think I could do it unless it was. I mean, every part of the work I do is after we look at what the brand is, and we look at what the niche market is. And we kind of define what the business model, that's where the creative part comes in is because then we get to interpret those into design, right? Design elements for print materials, business cards, um, in some cases, photography, imagery, Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, and website design. It's totally creative. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I wouldn't like,
0: I feel like that's... So you don't feel like you sacrificed anything by doing business? Absolutely not. I feel like this is the,
1: I feel like I've been an artist all my life and I to get to this point needed to experience like I've done visual art, I've Mm -hmm. done performance art. Mm -hmm. And then this is just, this is really, this is business art. art. Yeah, this is, (laughs) it is an art form. And I love creative writing. That's another thing I help. I encourage, I help, I teach people how to write um, content for their websites and mm. oftentimes especially when it comes to creatives it's really in in sexuality mm. you know what i mean it's like hot juicy content yeah so i get to help write edit oh, so absolutely fun. i find ways that are creative every single day mm-hmm. i mean and it's like not just even i mean i i have i think right now uh i'm in the midst of planning for five different photo shoots where I I act as the creative director, right? My job is to hear the needs of the client, interpret Mm -hmm. them. I work, I interface with a photographer, a makeup artist, a Mm -hmm. stylist, Mm -hmm. and the client, the location, and I put it all together to, you know, interpret what their needs are. So yeah. So I'm in the midst of in different processes, like five different photo shoots right now. Um, I also am in the midst of, I just had three new websites launched from clients and I am currently actively engaged in some part of the design process, like with four other websites, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah every, yeah, there's a lot every single day, but then I also, I love the administrative part. I love <laughs> I love the numbers. You know what I mean? it's, it's also creative? Yeah, you know, playing yeah. with numbers. Like I
0: feel like, yeah, every and also interpreting those numbers. Personally, I find that really fascinating. You know, like what what is the reach of what I'm doing and mm-hmm. how you know who are my clients statistically speaking? Who's who's digging what I do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's so, all yeah. Yeah, all... like sometimes I look at my Google Analytics and I'm like. Why are people in, like, Slovenia going to my website? Like, who are all these artists in Slovenia? Uh It just kind of gets my my juices I guess, like,
1: yeah. even when I start talking about it, I get flushed. You know (laughs) know what I mean? Like, because I really, for me, it's just like it's my heart. You know, it's my passion. So, yeah, every single day. Every single day. I I
0: think that's a good thing for henna artists to remember that even though we're engaged in something that is creative and you know, we're creating, you know, a physical thing with our creativity. The business part of it is also part, it doesn't have to be this separate thing, business and art. And they both you know, we are can throw, Yeah, we can mm-hmm. throw that in there as well. And I think the best creation.
1: I exactly. I mean, and I think the best creative entrepreneurs are people who recognize that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's interesting because I think now I think, everything I've ever done creatively that I put my mind to prepared me for doing this. Right. Like, um, the visual stuff with henna and interfacing Mm -hmm. intimately on people's bodies. Um, theater performance helped in, it also helped me to build rapport because I recognize it gave me, it gave, gave me the skills to put myself, put myself in someone else's shoes. Um, also, uh, the confidence to speak to people, mm-hmm. right. Because I do mm-hmm. classes so I can yeah. speak in public, yeah. um, fire performance, large scale, um, help me to visually set things up in a space. And so it helps me to do that with websites. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so everything I've ever done creatively has really ultimately prepared me for the most creative work I've yeah. ever done. And, and I, I'm remiss to even call it work. Yeah. <laughs> I get paid to do the awesomest stuff in the whole world every single day. And and people make money as a result, which is even even better. better.
0: But you know, that's like saying like work is a four letter word. It's this terrible thing that, Oh, I don't want to work. But you know, sometimes like when I'm working on this podcast, it's work. And it's like, it hurts (laughs) my brain sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, not the interviews, but you know, editing afterwards, but still it's like, I feel so much sense of accomplishment and I feel pleasure and I feel like I'm creating something and I feel feel connected to my listeners so it's work but maybe we should just redefine what work is like drudgery no it's like it can be joy
1: it's true Mm. at that you know some of it it just at the end of the day you're exhausted or you're Your head is so full, but it's so incredibly satisfying. And you
0: sleep so well that night. (laughs) I
1: have also, in my lifetime, did construction. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I worked in the construction (laughs) field for about seven years, actually. Um, And it was the time in between working in uh, the tech field. Mm-hmm. Then I went kind of, and did the residency in Italy. And when I came mm-hmm. back, I was like, there's no way I'm going to work in an office and fell into contracting <laughs> or co- a- a- a construction. Mm-hmm. And cause I had some experience with it when I went to the arts high school with building set building. Oh, okay. So I started out medium level and then ended up do- learning how to do detailed work. And it, that was one of those jobs where it was like, I have, I mean, I have dug out yards to build decks and it is brutal work. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, it is really also the most satisfying. if I actually, if I wasn't working in the industry I did now, I would do construction because it is also immensely creative, right? Like building, installing floors and Mm -hmm. details and things like that. But yeah, I completely, yeah, I've done a lot of
0: Uh, (laughs) work. Yeah. Um, when you and I had that conversation on the train, this is again a while ago, and after I talked to you, just my brain was buzzing. Like I felt like there was some kind of connection between uh, your clients and us henna artists, and I think the fact that you're a henna artist gives you a unique window onto what those similarities are, and, and what springs to mind for me is, but. Well, a lot of your clients, not all of your clients work directly with people, mm-hmm. one-on-one sometimes, sometimes in groups. Um, there is a certain intimacy. There is an inti- like a physical intimacy as well. So henna artists are working on people's skin. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going into people's homes. We have people come into our homes and, you know, I think just that physical closeness the physical touching creates a kind of energy flow so I'm curious to hear how you see since you know your business very well and you also know the life of a henna artist how you see the differences the similarities and the differences between the two fields
1: it's interesting because I actually don't see a lot of differences
0: (laughs) oh really um
1: it's work that I think anybody who wants to take what their passion is and turn it into a living Mm -hmm. then there's so many similarities across the board and I guess the only difference is that you do henna and they're talking about sex you know what I mean yeah I think that's where it stops
0: right yeah just like the what the actual art is yeah
1: and th- that's where it stops and then everything else is kind of very similar i mean i guess it's it, somebody who is uh, i guess not i mean if they're if you're an artist and you're painting and you're selling on that way you don't have that quite the interaction personally with your client with your client yeah. um but in regards to what henna artists do and what my artists or what my clients do a lot of the people i work with work one-on-one with people mm-hmm. a lot of the people i don't know if there's um, you know, skin to skin contact or anything like that. However, um, it is still personal because you're talking about sexuality. So, mm-hmm. um, there there's far more intersectionalities. I think. Um, I, I think safety is a you know is a is obviously a concern, and I think one thing that's not given as much detail to because I think maybe it's. Um. Like issues of safety, um, how you, the other, I guess the other thing where I would see the similarities is how do you establish what your rates are? Mm, Um, and because it's a, it is a non-traditional, right? Yeah. Means of making a living. There is a whole set of obstacles as a result of that. And, um, Like how how do you how do you kind of move from having this passion into uh interpreting that into money? You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. So those are the similarities. I just yeah, actually like I don't really see a lot of differences other yeah. than that you do henna and they work with sexuality.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. But then, then there's so many similarities and I feel like the you know, as somebody who has done henna, um, I think that there's the same, you know. Again, the same kind of having to overcome the obstacles of creating a living out of a non-traditional kind of, uh, you know, form of work. Yeah. Um, cre- creatives, you know. Yeah. And so how do you do that?
0: There's also another, um, another similarity that just occurred to me is that a good majority of henna artists are women. Ooh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. I would imagine, you, you. correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the sex professionals are also... Sex, sexuality professionals are also women. Yeah, I that's... mean,
1: actually, it's interesting. I, I would say, like, I, 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 there's, I would, yes, a lot of the people I work with are, I, are female identified, of mm-hmm. course, because I work in sexuality. I also work with male right. identified. I work with right. cisgendered people <laughs> and differently gendered people. I work with trans people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, you know, a large majority are, are women. Um.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and I guess. Non male, let's just say. We <laughs> tend to be non male.
1: <laughs> non yeah, non cisgendered, heteronormative me, hit, male.
0: <laughs> hit me with the the politically just, correct things. As to somebody say. who works in the sexuality industry, <laughs> yeah, I try to really like important. model like good practices. So yeah. yes. I feel the same way about henna. I don't want anybody calling it henna tattoos. I'm very clear about that. <laughs> no T word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, I think that's a a big issue. The the female issue because of a lot of these similarities, going to people's houses, having people in your house, bodily Mm -hmm. contact, um, Mm -hmm. one on one contact, one on one interaction with people. So that brings me to um, what we were talking about on the subway was uh, how do what would you recommend to henna artists in particular based on what you do to protect themselves. To vibe out their clients, to um, you know maybe keywords to use when they're talking to their clients, to set those boundaries? Um,
1: the first thing I would do is I would recommend going and getting a a book on NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have found it immensely useful, uh, and applicable to kind of almost every part of the business building process. Uh, specifically though, uh, screening and phone work and initial point of contact. Right. Uh Uh, it is, uh, I, I, I'm not a certified NLP practitioner mm-hmm. so I like sometimes but give us a give us a, a layman's uh, view okay of it. so I'll give you my layman's view of it as I understand it I just want to put that disclaimer out there mm-hmm. um it is it's a, a it's kind of the root language of most self-help books that you find it is the root language of rapport building it is the root language of hypnosis um it is it's kind of <laughs> it's a it's a lot to kind of it, it uh, i don't my i'm la, I kinda out of lost words it's magic can it's, you
0: just explain i i know what NLP is but maybe you can explain it a little bit better like using certain words to to create a i don't know how to define it either uh I, maybe it's like, it's hard,
1: it might be easier to kind of explain in an NLP exercise.
0: Yeah. Right? yeah so
1: I think one of the, the phone calls, especially if you're a freelancer, if you get a high volume of phone calls, mm-hmm. um, can tend to be disruptive. And so what happens if you feel that way about the phone call is when you answer that phone call, you're not in the right frame of mind. Mm-hmm. N- NLP gives you the tools to reframe based on creating anchors or almost like a Pavlovian response actually. So oh, okay. oftentimes when I am working with like teaching classes and we talk about phone etiquette, uh, one of the exercises that I've learned through NLP is to take like about 15 minutes a day and visualize, uh, or meditate upon, uh, like a feeling of co- a compassion. hmm. Uh, oftentimes, and when we're dealing with sexuality, we also do—I do compassion yet firm, because mm-hmm. I think it's important to create a non-judgmental environment for the caller, but also um, not enable poor language around sexuality. I don't know if that makes any sense. Anyway, yeah. so it's a, I, say, I tell people to take a compassionate yet form, firm approach okay. to interactions mm-hmm. with clients. So what I have them do is like spend 15 minutes a day for about a week um, feeling that in their body, like really visualizing that and kind of moving it through their body. And when you feel like you've reached the point where you, where you feel compassionate and firm, uh, you engage the ringer on your phone.
0: Oh, interesting! So you just like set that mindset. You set that then, mindset and then and it, let the calls come. And in. And when
1: the call, ha- so if you do this for a week, what happens is when the phone oh, rings, yeah. it triggers that response. Yes, yeah. Because so right now,
0: when the phone rings, I have a, I have anxiety when i hear it ring yeah and it could be like some people
1: have and it could just be disruptive or they have Mm. they're not confident in their sales abilities Mm. right Mm -hmm. and so for people who aren't confident in their sales abilities they can be you can kind of contain in your body visualize the passion and love you feel for your work right Mm -hmm. so and then engage that phone ringer yeah that's great and when you so now when the phone rings you're like bam i am so, i'm on I'm fire on, and i'm, I'm in on the fire. right state of and mind and for anybody that works in person like even in um you know if you're if part of the work you do is like maybe a henna uh, artist working at a street fair exactly right yeah. where there's a consistent interaction mm. um which can also be very stressful mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a phone ring right you can it just be you can you can um anchor in you can do by pinching a thumb or tugging oh, an ear. You yeah. can do it like, but you just do the same thing. It's the same thing. And you it triggers an a anchor, reaction. You can do a different anchor on each finger for each thing for that, you different to, things yeah. that you need oh, to do. Like, awesome. so you need to bring that. It's something, um, I feel like it's something that you kind of have to maintain, right? It's yeah. like, yeah. uh, to be a good pool player, you have to practice,
0: practice. right? Practice yeah. makes perfect. Yep. So
1: yep. what I do is I do it about once every three months and I take the week and do that to re-anchor all of those feelings. So if I need, so you to, do that for
0: yourself oh, once a week. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I wouldn't, like, I don't yeah. practice what
1: I don't preach. Like, <laughs> yeah, well,
0: I, but no, I wonder, you know, like, if you keep doing it, that was my question. Oh, yeah, I like, keep, I I keep doing it. I
1: re-anchor it. everything about once every three months. Oh, okay. Right, so I go through the meditation process for a week every three months.
0: That This is so interesting, because before when we were first talking... I've just been taking notes of things I want to talk to you about as a conversation goes. And I don't know, like 20 minutes ago, I wrote down phone fear and social awkwardness. And I'm on Facebook and also like chatting privately with a lot of other professional henna artists who've been doing it about as long as I have. And those two things are uh, disorders, you might say, that many of us share. We hate talking on the phone and we kind of fear it and um even though it's a lifeline to you know to money clients and then we also find find ourselves kind of awkward in social situations Mm -hmm. i find out from talking to people that i'm actually less socially awkward than i thought i was but a lot of us (laughs) are socially awkward and i'm now i'm like i'm thinking about this nlp i've been thinking about nlp for many years and i'm always like i gotta get into this i gotta get into this so after um Maybe I can get a recommendation from you about books, and I can put it on the oh,
1: there, I, on uh NLP for dummies.
0: Okay, for dummies. Okay. I don't, yeah, I've
1: never been a real fan of the word of the titles of those books, yeah. but they really are the most accessible versions of those things. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, so why not? because I don't think you need to spend thousands of dollars to become an NLP like yeah. certified I was NLP into practitioner. A workshop and it was expensive. And I think if you just do the work, if you okay. just like if you, you just to... go through the book, it's amazing. And not only that, it's like they it's especially for street fairs or where you have to have mm-hmm. interactions mm-hmm. it gives you the skill set to
0: have to function
1: like more fun yeah function and have more um powerful conversations with your potential clients yeah i think like great. even yeah. one another really great technique is that the power of the open-ended question right mm. and like you know the open-ended question is one that can't be answered with a single answer yeah. like yes or and no it's like out of it um, that you know, an a, a, an example of a closed-ended question is, "Do you like to have fun?" An open-ended question is, "What do you like to do for fun?" Right? Oh, yeah. So, what happens then when you ask a question like that? Is it scientifically has been proven to engage? It, it automatically oh. makes the brain synapses go off. You're imagining, right? And so, yeah. when you're imagining, you're also opening your up your heart space, mm-hmm. right? And that is and then connecting, and you're connecting, and that's like if you if you can do that with a potential, um, client, Mm -hmm. then you have exponentially, um, increased the chances of that client.
0: Right. Right. Engaging in your services. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you want to just think about it as a direct, like quid pro quo or not quid pro quo, but like one thing leads to another, Mm -hmm. it's going to bring you more money, but if nothing else, you're working on your social Mm -hmm. awkwardness Mm -hmm. and you're even, you know, improving your personal life too. Mm -hmm. You're able to connect with people better. Yeah.
1: I think also too, I think the social awkwardness happens around I think because you have to you're selling yourself, right? And that we have these ideas about money and how especially as creatives, how money tends to invalidate the creative experience. So a lot of the work I do is yeah, about yeah. reframing this idea of money and yeah. really money is simply uh, a physical manifestation of uh energy it 's a physical manifestation yeah. of energy right and um what when you look at it that way, it can be a means, a barometer by which you have affected change in the world, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So when there is abundance coming in, I love it because yeah. my abundance is a direct result of abundance I'm creating for other people, whether it be financial yeah, abundance for your work. or creative yeah. abundance. Yeah. And both in my world are, as, are, as e- are equal, right? Mm-hmm. So as a creative, when you sell your artwork, you are creating abundance in someone else's life. You are affecting change, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so I think that that is one of the most important places to start is you, people need to change their attitudes around money first before they do anything else. Right. Yeah. Because you're engaging in a practice where you are going to be spending money and you you want to bring money in. And Mm -hmm. so a healthy attitude around money is going to be really important to the health of your business and the health of what you're doing.
0: Um, in regards to i think are we getting off the subject a little bit in regards well, actually, to the safety well yeah let me go back to that but just um we'll go we'll go back to safety but one thing that just popped into my mind when you were talking about money and self-worth is just thinking about how women um in so many realms of our lives it's hard for us to ask for what we're worth. It, we're, um, many women find it difficult to ask for raises or, um, I, I was telling you beforehand that I had trouble stating my prices to clients and I always, Mm -hmm. always state my price with a question mark. And I was just thinking in my brain about something that's kind of tangentially related to what you're doing, you know, in this, in the sex professional industry, I think that on some level, maybe women think of themselves as prostitutes for asking for money for what they do. And maybe there's, um, there's there's something kind of unseemly about asking for money for this thing that you're doing for that another you love? person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. For the that thing you that, you're doing that you love. Because. It, you know, maybe in the past there was this idea that women didn't like sex, and now, you know, the world has may- has maybe finally realized that women do like sex. And so it's not a shameful thing and if you ask for money for it, it's not shameful. Mm-hmm. But also there's kind of a thing like creativity doesn't contribute to the world. So if you're asking for money for it, you must be somehow, I don't know, degenerate or something.
1: Yeah, I um maybe we have I feel a shame like those, around it too. I feel like I, I- I see that it's still happening in the world I see that we're just, that females are still systematically oppressed and that we are denied agency. Um, we see it when old white men in office think that they can kind of dictate the laws around what our choices around our bodies right so it's hard it's insidious it's hard to get away from um, i think there's as a few different approaches to the equation of, you know, getting what you're worth. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it helps to take the uh, emotion out of it and to uh, approach it more strategically. Uh, When I work with clients, we, you know, we do kind of research on who is offering similar services at the same level with Mm -hmm. the same experience and what are they charging, right? So that's one of the places that we start given the same amount of experience and things like that. What happens then is you 're kind of taking you 're taking that emotion out of it when you approach it from a strategic standpoint mm-hmm. um, because you can say, well, based on mar- the, what the market can bear based on what other people are making, mm-hmm. I can charge this as well mm-hmm. right uh, and then also then it then you then you kind of add the emotion back into it and' it's like, what do I feel like I should be making for this mm-hmm. for what i 'm doing mm-hmm. um, and then, looking at if you ah gosh, it's a it's a bunch of different approaches we take when I when I work with somebody we we kind of take a look at who's doing the same thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how good are their brands? Like, are their brands as professional as the one we're about to launch? Right. right. Uh, we look at supply and demand is important, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think. There's, you know, how you have some creatives like artists who you look at the cost of their work and it's like a $10,000 painting, but their paintings sit in their studios for years because there is no demand. Right. Right. Um, so I think it's important to note that as well, right. That the supply and demand kind of applies to all of this as Mm -hmm. well. Uh, when I, you know, when I got started, when I first got started, one of the, uh, one of the things I took into account is, uh, you know, my history, like this, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm, I'm a newbie in what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. when I first started, I, I didn't charge as much as I do now, uh, yeah. hourly because yeah, I wanted to get my hem- food hem hem and I wanted too. to like, you know, get a history, get a reputation, you know, cause mm-hmm. reputation and authority has a lot to do with what you're allowed to charge as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's so multi-leveled, isn't it? And now, because I've done the work, because I have, I look at what it costs for me to run my business. How right? much that's kind of
0: the base like, price when
1: I'm interacting with a client, there's a bunch of work I do prior to that. And then there's a bunch of after work I do. Like I take mm-hmm. notes on the meeting that I had I for, you know, for, so I kind of keep our place for the following week. And I think it really is, if you take a, a more strategic approach to the equation of rates, it starts becoming less and less difficult to ask for what you're worth.
0: Yeah, when you start really adding up all the things, like like you said, you spend an hour with your client, but you've done a lot of prep beforehand. And also you've done a lot of um, prep in your life in general to get should mm-hmm. be the person you are now mm-hmm. like when i sit down and do henna for a client i've spent time making the paste and i've spent time like cleaning my house up so i know because i, is I did henna so i know it it's right. It right.
1: some people are like have the secret yeah i had my own secret yes. recipe <laughs> that took me hours yeah, and lots to of trial and
0: error and, and... and because
1: it to me especially like if I was ever doing a piece on a baby belly mm-hmm. like it was it was that that hour was not just letting that brew sit on mm-hmm. the stove mm-hmm. and simmer it was also you know being in prayer you know yeah, what I mean yeah
0: exactly uh, so
1: yes <laughs> And the, but
0: then in addition to just like I have to prepare henna for this client there's also all of your years of studying Design, studying art, creating your own stuff, working on your own, you know, creative capacity, working on your business, working like all of that The precision at which
1: you deliver those services as a result of all your past history. Yes, absolutely. So when I look at
0: my rate of 125 an hour, I'm like, yeah, I, I probably do three hours of work for every hour I spend. on. Well, maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but maybe like a two to one ratio of time that I spend you know, getting that client to the time I spend working on them. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, um, but I think you're right. Like once I, once I really took stock of who I am as a business person and who I am as an artist, it was a lot easier to just say, this is what I charge instead of I charge this. And then yeah. the person's like, oh boy, this woman really doesn't know what she's worth.
1: I think the awkwardness happens when you don't do, when you haven't done the legwork prior to that question being asked. However, if you want to turn this into something that you make a living at, you absolutely need to ask those questions of yourself first, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Because when a client asks you how much you charge, you need to rise to the occasion and it needs to come effortlessly out of your mouth with a smile on your face and a, you know, and a thick skin, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's part of, creating trust with your client, Right. Yeah. If you're so kind that of they wavering... feel like they're in
0: the right hands also. Exactly. Like, exactly. Oh, you charge $125 an hour, but you have a professional website and like I have online booking and I require a deposit to hold the date and I have like all these professional things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they feel like she's worth it. And I'm worried about that girl who's charging 75 an hour and you know, has a janky website that, you know, with bad English and bad, you know, punctuation or whatever. Mm -hmm. Precision. Yeah, exactly. Professionalism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and that's something I always tell people when I teach classes, but I don't know how much they, it really sinks in. And I've had clients who say, you know, I hired you to do my bridal henna. I hired this other woman to do the party, but she didn't ask for a deposit. And, um, and I don't know, there was something else that was kind of, you know, she doesn't accept credit cards. Should I be worried about her? Like she because she saw the level that I had my business, she was immediately suspicious of somebody with less. Something I always tell
1: (laughs) my clients who charge upwards of a hundred or more per Mm -hmm. hour for their services is anybody who is able to pay that kind of money per hour for those services engages in professional activity to make that money
0: exactly and they, they know expect that world.
1: professional from other mm-hmm. people yeah so exactly the best sale is going to be made when you when you are when you are creating it i am your equal situation i am at your
0: level of professionalism this yes is, yeah
1: exactly i'm not kmart exactly. I'm tiffany anyone who can afford to pay 100 more an hour for services like yeah. that yeah. uh are probably either work for a company that had professional designers make their websites yeah who are expected to adhere to professional standards. And so they are going to expect that when they go and spend their money. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. And then by being that way, you attract the clients that you want. Yes! I I don't want to attract somebody who wants... Substandard henna for a cheap price. Exactly. Like that person is not going to make either of us happy. She's it, not going to be happy with me. I'm not going to be happy with her. So exactly. Exactly. It's, it's worth,
1: again, like it's kind of, it's the, and that's the other thing around that awkwardness around the sales is mm-hmm. if you are unsure of like what your business is, of mm-hmm. course those conversations are going to feel mm-hmm. awkward. And so to empower women, I don't, I I feel like it's not yes I think you know we, we are as women our work is t- tends to be undervalued. However, as creative freelancers, professionals w- w- we get to set the standard, right? And I I because mm-hmm. I've worked with men who suffer the same thing. They have awkward conversations about the sales around their yeah, around their sure. creative work yeah. or their heart's passion. And yeah. it's because they haven't done the lead, leg work ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they have, then it becomes apparent what their worth is right. because they've done the right. work. It's like yeah. I have done all this work. There is no way in hell I'm going to let you pay me less than what I'm worth. And then it's mm. not like it becomes like it goes from being awkward to this like there yeah. ain't no way yeah. I'm going to get take less than yeah, what I'm worth. Not you know? in a
0: like a bitchier, confrontational way, but you want the best. Mm-hmm. This is it here, and you know if you want something that's of a different level, then. I'm not your person, and, and I and invite I'm fine you. With that. Yeah. yeah, and
1: I, yeah, I love that you know. Again, compassionate, like verb. Mm-hmm. It's like the third. Yeah. It's I think it's the, the there's a movie called Roadhouse, and he's like telling the guys the rules of you know being a, a bouncer, and the third rule oh, okay. of Roadhouse is always be nice. That is the most professional thing. <laughs> yeah, don't be a bedhead. Yeah, exactly. If you recognize that this client shouldn't be working with you, yeah. you invite them politely exactly. to see someone else. Exactly. Always be nice, and
0: then also that client, Thanks you know, them. they may be at a certain point. Point in their life, where they can't pay your rates, but you know, maybe their goal is to eventually pay your rates and come back to you. So it's all...
1: always pave your bridges in gold, in gold, ladies
0: and <laughs> Instead gentlemen. Instead of burning them. Yes, always
1: pave them. I have burned enough in my lifetime to have <laughs> we learned have that all, lesson. <laughs>
0: we've all done that either on purpose or inadvertently. <laughs>
1: Definitely.
0: So I'm going to go back to the, uh, the subject of safety. So, the last, what we were talking about with safety is you were talking about NLP oh. and kind of getting rid of some of the fear like we were talking about the phone the mm-hmm. fear of the phone ring uh social awkwardness but um safety
1: personal safety in general when you're yeah. kind of working one-on-one with yeah. people uh, what do
0: you what do you recommend for people are there I, things you know, that they like can do like we so have what's so wonderful is
1: that we have so many online like the, we have the interwebs mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my slang term for internet right <laughs> we have the the fascinating world of the interwebs and Uh, Google is not just a platform. It has become a verb, right? Mm -hmm, Like I'm going to Google Mm -hmm. this. Uh, And uh, so I, you know, I think it's important. Intuition is a really remarkable tool that we have uh, in our tool belt. However, uh, it's also something that because as women, we have systematically been taught not to listen to. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's also intuition can be affected by, feelings of scarcity, financial scarcity, right? So although I do think it's important to have a conversation with anybody before they come into your home or before you're going to go into theirs, we have amazing tools online to do background checks. So uh, there's peoplesearch.com. Ben Verified is a really great one. And it's a low monthly cost. And basically all you're doing is you're plugging in their first last name and any other information you have, like their phone number, um, email address. I mean, you could start just by... Googling their email Googling address. that and yeah. like seeing if anything just weird comes up about it. I did that it. when
0: I was doing online dating. Like, oh my I god, would this definitely is, Google people. This before is, that oh day. my god, this
1: is great because like that is it's interesting because when I, in my classes I do mention I was like this anybody who does online dating should also be doing this type yeah. of stuff is you should actually yeah. have yeah ben verified is a great resource especially for online date. you know for online day. anybody that you're go- who's a stranger who you're going to be meeting in a like private location or even yeah. out in public it's I would good just to meet people for
0: coffee or for a it's drink good to know
1: it's good to know who they are and ben verified like gives you their it gives like a criminal history it has sure. it searches sex offender sex offender registries and you know it's important that you understand the information that you're looking at um just because you plug someone's first last name and phone number in doesn't mean that the information it's giving back to you might be relevant. So you have mm. to just get savvy about. Do you want to wait until that's done?
0: Okay, it's done. Go
1: okay. Do you have to verify? <laughs> yeah, it's just, I think it's just, it's good sense to verify the people. And you have to, and when they, when you get them, uh information back, it's good to learn how to kind of be savvy about what you're looking at. Yeah. Um, some people searches when you just put in a, a, a name and a phone number will just give you listings based on the name and there'll be all mm-hmm. different ages and all different birthdays. Oh, so yeah. you kind of just have to get, you have to kind of Certain hone, which is, it, and it's a, it's something that as long as you start practicing, you'll get, uh, people that been verified is pre, has pretty good results, mm-hmm. um, based on, Uh, based on first name, last name, phone number and age and Mm. where they live, you Mm. get pretty specific results. Uh, I think that's really important for anybody. Anytime you're going to go into somebody's home Mm -hmm. or if, especially if they're going to come into yours. And I, I think like you just get into habit and you do it with every client that you're going to potentially meet, whether it be man or woman, you know what I mean? So,
0: well, for henna artists where, um, I don't know about other henna artists, but I would say 80% of my clients are women. And of those, maybe 50% are in my house and the other 50% are in their house. Um, or maybe, you know, maybe there's like a 10, I don't know. Some of it's parties, but, you know, it's pretty evenly split between my house or their house. So I don't feel that same level of paranoia because I'm working with women, which may be foolhardy on my part. Um, But I would imagine that probably a lot of hen artists don't want to invest in a service like Been Verified. (laughs) So is there something else they can do, like something they can ask the person on the phone or some behavior that they can engage in while they're at at the person's house, like calling their husband, you know, saying I'll be done at this time and this is where I am or something like that.
1: Uh, oh, well that's like, you know, I, I think like having, if somebody knows where you're at, that's really nice. Mm -hmm. Like just a, a lifeline is what we call them Mm -hmm. in our industry. Mm -hmm. Like when you're going, uh, when you're kind of seeing clients privately in their home. So they're coming to yours and Mm -hmm. your lifeline is this like, Hey, it's like a text check-in. Like I'm, you know, this is the address I'm going to be back. This is how long I potentially am thinking I'm going to be there. Can you give me a call or can you check in with me after two hours? If you don't hear back from me, here is that here are the next steps. Right. That seems like a little, a lot, but it's a, you know, it's a lifeline. What if, you know, what if something happens between here, point A and point B? Mm Mm-hmm. Not even at your clients, yeah. right? What if something yeah. happens within the traveling? Yeah, it gives. Uh, it would give if some, you know, God forbid, if something happened, it gives police a starting, a timeline, oh and a start. God. I know, like, yeah. well, you're asking me about safety issues. Oh, it's yeah, like little yeah. things, like a lifeline. To go there. a lifeline, right? Uh, other things is. If it, I, I think like red flags would be if if the client was haggling with you and your mm-hmm. prices, uh, it it denotes that they don't respect that there is an there is a, there's not respect there for your professionalism. Mm, yeah, so so it, could, it could become awkward if you're in their space or if they're in your space. It could be another like uh, situation where they're going to haggle with you and it,
0: or if they're unwilling to pay the deposit. Like I I take deposits for all appointments, and some mm-hmm. people just don't want to pay.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that would that I mean that would just be in a, kind of an automatic no mm-hmm. for me. Okay. Uh, I've
0: else? heard I've heard um on in some of my Facebook groups some women have talked about um where what they do is they arrive at the client's house and then in front of the client, so the client can hear it. They just either make a real phone call or they make a fake phone call. Like, Oh yeah, I arrived at the client's house. That's your lifeline. I don't think it should be. I mean, I don't, I I, just to let the client know that somebody else knows where she is. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, so I think that is also a good idea. Like I had a, a student here the other day and, when I talked to him on the phone, I talked to him twice, and he he just for me the vibe was good, so I felt okay. But because I knew I was talking to, you, I was thinking, huh? I wonder if I should set up one of these lifelines. Maybe I should just make a, f- a fake phone call to my boyfriend and just say, oh, whenever you get here, just come in. I'll be with my student. Just so my student knows, you know that. I think that's somebody an amazing. Else. I think that's an. Ama- I think actually <laughs> it's a that cheap is little. It's hack. not.
1: I, I I don't think it's cheap. I think it's important. Yeah. Right? I think yeah. you know. I think harvesting personal information is another way like i have your i mean really yeah. like your first name last name address age phone number mm-hmm. i have access to this information i think makes people because i think more and more people recognize that that everything there's no such thing as privacy right
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: and uh that if you are the kind of person who's going to cause problems, it's not going to be that hard to find you or to, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, so exactly. all those little things like having a, like having an actual lifeline, having a real person who knows mm-hmm. where you're at, mm-hmm. um, calling somebody, you're, mm-hmm. I think that uh, that's another thing I talk about in my screening classes, calling somebody in front of the client and letting them mm-hmm. know like, Oh, I've arrived and I'll, you know, I'm probably going to be here for about an hour or, mm-hmm. or, or like if they or, come here, like yeah. calling Just your boyfriend. Just knock on the door. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I do. I feel like um, what's great about the people searches is it—it's not that expensive, and oh, okay. it is your safety. And because you're in someone's home, and I—I—I—I I ha- I, I have hope in the human race. I'm not one of those people who thinks that everybody's like <laughs> yeah out to get you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it, it only takes once. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: It only takes once. Yeah. Uh, It only takes once to, uh, and that once can cause irreparable damage to yourself or your Mm -hmm. business. It only takes Mm -hmm. one time. Uh, So it is worth, it is an insurance policy.
0: Yeah. Right. And
1: if it's not that expensive, I think like been verified as like $10 if even, or you can even get a yearly subscription for like 50. Mm Mm-hmm. Isn't that worth your? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think
1: the idea is to also be balanced about it, is not to be, is to be cautious in a very healthy way not Mm, to be overly paranoid so that that paranoia is interrupting your flow
0: of work and also that the paranoia starts to welcome that negative energy into your space yeah because i believe that yeah like my boyfriend said um you live in a bad neighborhood i you need to have mace and i'm like i don't want to have mace because then that like creates like a an expectation of Mm -hmm. negative action in my Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that is actually true, but that's, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if it's verifiable, but this is something that I believe, like I don't want to create fear in myself by, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know something about this foreign thing. No, I don't think so either. (laughs) Really? No, but I mean, where we live is really nice. But when you look out on the street and it's a bunch of tire repair places, I think some people think it's sketchy. So (laughs) I don't know. I love it, but whatever. I
1: I love living here. Yeah, (laughs)
0: Um, and you know, he's he's he feels like he can protect himself, but you know, he's worried about his girl and whether she can protect herself. (laughs) No, like yeah, don't worry. Stop. But yeah, I told, and and unfortunately, in that situation he was, he, you know, he's like, okay, if that's how you feel. Mm -hmm. And I said, the best thing you can do for me is picture me in a safe environment, send me, you know, positive energy. And and that's also how I approach my clients. I mean, I try and really tap into my intuition and get a feel for who they are, but I also feel like I need to, I don't want to be stuck in fear.
1: Yeah, exactly. I just, like I said, it's like, I think it's, it's a balance. It's Mm -hmm. important to be Mm -hmm aware mm-hmm. cautiously aware yeah. Yeah. but not overly paranoid yeah um i think it's i do think it's important when you're like working one-on-one with the individuals i think where they are where you're personal going into that it's not so much like for like sex therapists or the sex therapists i work with where they're mm-hmm. working out of like professional offices and stuff i don't think it's yeah. that as much as big yeah. concern. but, but home, i think if you are going into somebody's home or they're going into your home that you do need to have more awareness yeah definitely. and little things like you know like you like you mentioned you know doing the call when you arrive or mm-hmm. having a thing like a lifeline, um yeah. you know having a calendar open in your house that actually has it's just yeah it's clients precautions, are coming. Yeah. you know what I mean, and yeah. I really like again it it only takes once,
0: yeah, yeah, we were talking before we started recording um about. And again this comes down to the women's thing like you were talking about using your intuition which is one of those really great strengths that women have in abundance and can tap into and I don't mean just women but you know this is something that we all have but I think kind of one of the other things that women have is this desire for like social Hmm. Making nice. Yeah, making nice, making sure that nothing is awkward and we all get along. And this is a great skill, but I think it can also... Work against you. Yeah, I think it makes us very vulnerable. Like I was telling you about a friend of mine whose daughter was date raped because she didn't want to make things awkward. So she consented in order to smooth things out. And so I guess that's something... Do you work like that with your clients to to help them work on their intuition and yet not be so tuned into things that they forget to protect themselves.
1: Yeah. I, it's interesting because I think some of that happens naturally when you, I get paid a lot of money to do what I do. It's a significant investment for my clients to work with me, right? When you, you, make that step. You are embracing this as your means of work. You are stepping into that. Mm-hmm. You're making a commitment mm-hmm. to yeah. that. It's interesting. So intention intention is a big deal. So some of that happens by proxy. The act of working on your business and making it intentional,
0: mm.
1: uh, creates a situation where it's not about making nice for everybody in the room, it's about protecting your own interests because you have worked so hard to make that happen. Right. right? So so I do actually work with clients on that. Um, Some of the work I, you know, I, I, I identify as sex positive and uh, because I go to, I, I identify as sex positive and I go to kind of large scale parties, events where there is probably intimacy, sexuality kind of is potent. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the things that's really important to me is an environment of consent and what that actually is and what that looks like. Um, Consent is not, is not to me defined as, making something nice or like, like consenting because you don't want things to go awkward. And, Mm. um, I, I've, at a certain point, uh, there's not really, I'm not sure if there's any magic formula to overcome that, except just to say it's so you have to accept the idea that things might get awkward
0: and it's not the worst thing in the world. I think,
1: It's kind of – I mean it might almost be rooted in the fear of rejection that if we make things awkward, people will reject us, and rejection Mm -hmm. is not the worst thing in the world. And (laughs) there's something else that I work – definitely like we definitely work on that with clients because you're going to have people who say no. You're also going to have people who you work with who will – will not be satisfied with your services. You will make mistakes, (laughs) right? Yes. I did not get to where I'm at. I've been doing my work for nine years. Mm -hmm. I feel wildly successful right now. You know what I mean? I feel like really good about, I did not get here because I did not make mistakes or piss some people off. Right. right. You know what I mean? And I had to, I didn't do that. I I had to overcome this idea. I I am not superhuman. Um, I, you know, I can't, I, I think at a, i really do i believe at a certain point you just have to accept that things might get awkward when you're doing what you yeah, love and yeah. that you have to be okay with that and that yeah. you have to use your voice and so what i do as an ally is i empower that voice and i and if you know i'm like i'm here when things get awkward because you can allow them to get awkward and then you can come back to me and you can talk to me about how yeah. awkward that felt yeah. and that's right? fine yeah. i'm an ally right mm-hmm. like i feel like Uh, especially like creative individuals and freelancers, it can be isolating because you're working on your own. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think what's important is to come together as a community. Like I'm sure that you guys have, right. Do artists. They, you have groups, you talk, right. Conferences. So I think that what you do in that environment is you volunteer, you say, I feel like this is something that happens and I want to put it out there that if this is something that happens for you, that I want to encourage you not to waver in that moment, but if it still feels bad to come to me, to talk to me about it or to look to the community.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, definitely. Because
1: that, you know, working on your own is isolating. Mm -hmm. It's like, I have Mm -hmm. nobody to turn to but when you have, then you
0: wonder like, wow, am I losing my mind or is this really happening? Not losing your mind. Yeah.
1: Um, so I think that's where I, I think, and to me establishing if you if there are creative professionals that all do similar things establishing communities is also a part of safety yeah
0: definitely because if you have a bad
1: apple and you have a community then you have a reporting system so that nobody Mm. else has to see that bad apple yeah
0: that's very true yeah and we do do that although most of us are spread across the country and across the world so Mm -hmm. you know our bad apples may not you know transfer to other places on a very practical level, do you have any advice on what a Henna artist can say or or do you think it's even necessary for a Henna artist arriving at a person's house and establishing boundaries? And if so, what would those what, what might they say or what might those boundaries be? I
1: don't know necessarily if you if it's like that if that's a situation where you need to go in and be like this is how it's going to go right? yeah like
0: a real ball buster kind yeah, of yeah because I
1: think that all the work you've done up until that point like if you're running a professional machine right if you're mm-hmm. if you're running a well oiled machine kind of says that yeah right? the client prof- is
0: never going to get that impression that you're I'm somehow constant- open to other stuff
1: that yeah. wasn't originally <laughs> yeah I mean I. I, I don't, I don't ever. I mean, I can see where some, how some of my clients, because they they deal specifically in sexuality, that the there might be blurred lines because of the stigma around sexuality, because of the blurred lines. Around yeah, like sexuality, people because assuming
0: like, a massage therapist is actually a sex worker, and that's not. Yeah, you know, you know, and that's still kind like, of prevalent in if people's you, minds. Yes, yeah, so if you're going to go
1: get a. a, a a sexy massage you go to a sexy massage place you don't ask your like right you
0: don't ask and your... i think that's that's becoming more and more clear now that yeah there's a i mean I mean, it's like, but... and
1: it's also we have like horribly horribly poor sex education in our american schools and so we learn it from porn and mm. i love porn mm. however that is not a tool for education yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> tool for fantasy not education right <laughs> yeah. so um but however in regards to henna i i i mean
0: there's not so much expectation that I don't, something else is going to happen.
1: Yeah, I don't. So I feel like it, it'd be like those things are kind of professionally stated in a, like through the website, through like, I am a consummate professional I'm of my artist. work, I'm an yeah. artist, and that's what's going to transpire. Yeah. So in regards to when you go into a house, I don't think it's necessarily to, to have that talk as much as it is. It's a perfect moment for you to check in and say, "Oh, by the way, honey, I just arrived. Yeah. I should be here for about two hours.
0: I'll see you uh, outside. If when you I'm need done. Any, I'll see you yeah. outside when
1: you're done. If you need anything, just give me a call. Yeah. Right? And in two hours, yeah. they, you know, they they give you call or like, oh, hey, it's we're going over time. Let me just check in with my person really quick to let them know I'm yeah. running late. Yeah, I feel like that's, that's also. Really really yeah, need to do. and you set
0: that. You set mm. a boundary. Kind, it's kind of implied.
1: Mm. So
0: yeah, and I mean, I don't have that many clients who are men. And that's where I kind of feel like that, that you know, element of risk comes in. Mm-hmm. So, um, and yeah, even the I would say probably fifty percent of the men who I handle are gay. So at least from a sexuality perspective, I don't feel there's a.
1: Does you don't feel as there's not... an issue? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. Uh, but I have heard stories. So I and you know and I don't know if. Maybe it's if it keeps happening to you. Maybe it's an indication that you're putting yourself out there, you know, in all those ways that you're saying. Like, if you project yourself as a professional, you're not going to attract people who are up to no good. So maybe if you are attracting people who are up to no good, maybe there's something in the way you present yourself I, online. I think there's
1: a lot of truth to what you just said. I yeah. feel
0: like well, that sounds like blame the victim. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I don't like having to. I, I, I mean, without say... knowing
1: exactly like no. the, the stories, but there's truth to you you're going to attract like you know again your clients are only going to take you as seriously as you take yourself you're going to attract the kind of clients that you uh, but you know it's 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 you know, in relationship to how you put yourself that, how do you present your message yeah, and things like that. Yeah. If you are having like issues with your prices being hangled or th- something like mm-hmm. that, then, you know, I would encourage you to get a website that looks pr- again, you know, yeah. a professional presentation in regards to all of this safety, making money yeah. is really one of the best things you can do. One of the best decisions you can make for yeah, your business. I agree.
0: And then also just on, on a practical note, I put my prices on my website and I have, you know, like my beginning price for a bride is $350. So... I don't get that many, ever since I put my prices up there, I don't get many people haggling anymore. Oh, mm-hmm. could you do it for this? Um, can you give me a discount? I just mm-hmm. don't get that. Mm-hmm. My prices are there. Clear um, cut. Yeah. It's not like I'm selling something at a flea market and it's like, there are no marked prices. And so there's that room for negotiation. Mm-hmm. It's Like this is what I charge. So. Mm-hmm. But then again, you were mentioning this before, which I thought was really interesting, that idea of scarcity.
1: Mm. And
0: I know a lot of, I know single moms, I know women who don't have any other means of support. I know women who are working a full-time or a part-time job and doing henna and just barely breaking even. And I would imagine that makes them more vulnerable and and feel like they have to take gigs that their intuition is telling them, yeah, this is not good for you. I,
1: you you know, accountability, you take per, like at a certain point, like, yeah, scarcity is insidious. It's a disease. I, and then we live in a world capitalism. And although I love money, uh, capitalism breeds a mentality of scarcity.
0: Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to that idea of scarcity and abundance too. So let's, uh, let, mm-hmm. but let's talk about it in terms of And it safety. really is.
1: It's one of the, it, 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 it of course affects, it's a. Oh, that's like a. It's such a hard. I mean, I, dealing with it with my clients. I have clients who are like in tears, like living client to client, mm-hmm. and it's a hard. How do you approach that? How do you approach like I want to help you make money, and mm-hmm. at the same time, you don't have the money to afford to buy the website. You are yeah, living yeah. and it's like that's a tough one. I again, it's I don't know if there's any. I think it's similar to that almost the idea of and and this seems i almost too trite but like the idea of what how you would approach the phone calls is like that is a meditative practice that you have to kind of encompass in your body and believe that the universe is going to take care of you and the other thing too is is I, I really believe in the idea, especially for creative professionals, if you're doing the work, it mm-hmm. will actually come, right? It will mm-hmm. actually come. If you've done all steps A, B, C, and D to kind of build your business and to do everything you need to do, uh, if people are feeling scarce, I, again, I, I, if this is your only means of income, uh, you know, when I first started doing this, this wasn't my only job. Mm-hmm. I I, mm-hmm. I started getting into this work as while I was doing construction. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. So I, for people who are just getting started or for people who are feeling like there's a lull, I do encourage a, a second form of income. I was just
0: going to say, you yeah, like I mean? if you feel like your scarcity of clients or income is forcing you to take jobs that are questionable, then... Go work in a coffee shop to make up for that, so that you don't yeah. have to take those. And yeah. and I mean, I have a full time job. You do job. that.
1: You do that, or you you take responsibility for the result of of taking, taking that. those sketchy gigs. Yeah, and, and it's not. That's not. I. I mean, I don't. I mean, I. I, I hope to God that the result isn't that it's some kind of violent criminal right. and you that's have to, like learn your thing, lesson
0: or something. Right. Yeah. However,
1: I do I I don't like I've seen freelancers, creative freelancers who complain that they just had like a, sh- a crappy client and, mm. and and it's because they took him knowing that they shouldn't have, right? right. And it's like right. If that is the result of you making a, a decision then Take accountability for that yeah, decision. and figure out you know, what and, you should have done, and take, yeah. what you can do
0: better next time. Exactly. Like, well, I have a full-time job, and sometimes, you know, I have to go to work, and I would much rather, you know, be Henning or doing something creative or coming up with new designs or working on my podcast, but I have to go to work to pay my rent and give myself health insurance. Um, <laughs> but the upside of that is if somebody calls and offers me some gig, the kind of gig that I hate doing... You know, if it, I, I'm, I don't want to like out any particular gigs, but there are some, some gigs that I just don't enjoy doing. And it's really nice to be able to say. No. Uh, yeah. No.
1: I don't want to do this
0: and not even know, but I can kind of do that little white lie and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm booked then. But I know three other artists who are excellent. And I know these artists, they love doing those kind of gigs. So I'm happy to pass it on to them. My client is happy, doesn't feel rejected. Abundance
1: model right there. (laughs) Referrals to other artists.
0: I mean, let's talk about abundance because this is another thing that a lot of us henna artists talk about amongst ourselves. And there's a lot of them saying I don't want another artist in my market competing with me. I don't want to teach other artists how to do henna because they're going to take all of my clients. Um, And I feel like I'm kind of this lone voice. I love teaching because it in general builds a love of henna. Out of all the people I teach, maybe I'm a really crappy teacher, but of all the people I teach... Not very many of them become professional henna artists who then compete with me because any profession, anything that you do to be really good and to be able to do it professionally at a certain level, you have to be really committed to put in the time to get that good. So for me, it's like the more I teach, the more clients I get because all of those people are like, wow, I really respect how hard it is to get good at henna. I'm going to dabble in it, but when I really want good stuff done, I'm going to call Lisa or I'm going to call one of the many henna artists. So for me, like I see that as building abundance. I love referring clients to people who I know who are really good because then my client goes, wow, Lisa referred me to this person. That was so nice of her to connect me with that. Maybe that person will stick with that other henna artist and never call me again, but there's that abundance. I'm like making a bigger henna world out there. If
1: you when i first got into fire i'm gonna use this he's like a cave woman when i first got into fire (laughs) uh yes in 1998 in seattle i remember seeing it for the first time and i was just like oh my god i have to learn this Mm. i have to learn this Mm -hmm. and at the time it was the same attitude. Nobody wanted to teach anybody because they wanted my to My secret the, recipe. My yes, secret henna recipe. exactly. Yeah. And uh, I, as somebody who has always been a like, collaborator and someone who, not good with being told no, <laughs> I taught myself and I worked my ass off to learn And then made a commitment as my, thank you to those people who said no to me, (laughs) that anybody who asked me, I would teach. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I built my career on that. Wow. Anybody who asked me, I am going to teach. (laughs) As a result, I was flown to different parts of the country when no one else was getting those kinds of gigs. As a result, I lived and worked and was flown over to Italy a total of six times over a two-year period. And did shows all over Italy on a barge on the River Arno in front of the Ponte Vecchio abundance models and mindsets create more abundance
0: and you created what you, by being out there you showed the world that there's this really cool thing what called you fire spinning everything fire. like fire eating
1: fire spinning fire <laughs> yeah. poi but right you
0: spread the word about it
1: also when it comes to art Evolution happens by sharing, right? Mm-hmm, that's like, mm-hmm. like, that's and we how all
0: benefit from that you, evolution. You, everybody yeah. benefits mm-hmm.
1: from that evolution. When you, the more people who learn about Hannah, the more people who are talking about Hannah, the bigger market you create.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. The more
1: people who are going to reach out for that. So, yeah. for those people, I'm. It surprises me that you're a lone voice and saying I, I <sighs> am not. I, that is not my mindset. Yeah. Because, and the other thing too is. Uh, savvy consumers can smell scarcity and desperation from a mile away yeah, and they will stop right. coming yeah. back to you. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm a big fan of nipping that in the bud. And sometimes I have Mm. a hard time even finding an elegant and or polite way. (laughs) I'd be like, you got to just stop that shit girl. Right. Because we, you know, we're humans. We're multifaceted. We don't always want to get our stuff from the same people twice, but then we're also like incredibly loyal. When you refer us to someone else that we're going to like, we're going to think even more of you and we're going to come back to you. And I, I, I'm surprised when I, I just, it's funny cause I, it's such a, tr- it's weird. It's a, oddly enough, it's like a trigger for me cause it brings all that. Like I remember, and then, you know, I was also, oh, anyway, it just brings up that like, <laughs> Sorry. You're, are you going to say no, you're going to say no to me. And then to have gone on and done these amazing things. And now when I go back to Seattle, like. of the community back there was either taught by me or taught by people who I taught and they are doing phenomenal things. Four of the people I've taught have gone on to work in Cirque du Soleil shows. Like that is to me, the idea, like I want people to get better than me and do great things because that
0: is a part of my legacy. Right. Especially when you're in a form of of art that is not mainstream, you know, fire, fire, even though it's intrinsic to our culture, (laughs) it's, you know, using it as performance is not mainstream, just like henna is not mainstream. You don't see, you know, music videos anymore. Well, I mean, apart from Madonna, but you know, it's not like a, it's not a mainstream thing like tattoos Mm. are now. So, Mm. you know, to build that, that, Make it as visible as possible, put it out there, get as many people into it as possible. I think it's all, it's good for all of us in the Mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm.
1: And especially like it's, it's, it is that it is a, (laughs) it's kind of anti-business not to network with people who are doing the same thing as you, you know what I mean? Like that whole, um, referral The referral community thing is an extraordinary way to create abundance, Mm -hmm. referring to other people Mm -hmm. and building your market in that way and looking to each other like your friends. You're missing out on the community that's so necessary to maintain safety protocols and things like that. And to, um, community, um, identifying with the community is an important part of having a healthy business. I think, you know, again, because yeah. we're talking about creative professionals and it, it can be isolating. And so when you say, not only is your work isolating, cause you're working with individuals by yourself in your own spaces, but mm. when you reinforce isolation by saying, I don't want com- competition, I know. I know. you are reinforcing isolation by yeah. not aligning yourself with a local community either. Yeah, exactly. You know, I know, When I did Henna in Seattle, there was a huge, there was like two big, I I think there were two kind of groups, big groups, and they Mm -hmm. were like, I want this festival. I want this festival. I got this shop. You're doing it here. And it was just, it, it also took the, I mean, that more than money invalidates creative mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Like
0: that. Is I know, like, exactly. That
1: takes, I love getting paid for mm-hmm. the, for my creative process. But do I love listening to infighting in a community yeah. or competition or that? I, like that, that takes the wind out of the creative sales, yeah. I think, and more then, than anything. And then also
0: seeing, seeing... The business end of it as a zero sum game, I think it's like saying I don't have enough creativity to like, I don't know what the word is, like to make the henna world bigger. My creativity isn't enough to expand and I have to hang on to what I have. But, and, and, you know, there are a lot of new henna artists out there. There are a lot of people doing amazing things. The art has changed so much and there are a lot more, there's a lot more quality and talent out there. And it makes me. It makes you a better person. Yes. Yeah. Competition it makes me, breeds innovation. Exactly. It, bre- it makes you like, it exactly. breeds innovation. Like I, like, oh my gosh,
1: I deal. Like <laughs> I do, you know, there's some dinosaurs in my industry who have kind of, relied on being the dominant paradigm within Mm -hmm, that market for mm -hmm. a very long time and now as the interwebs grow like get expand and new people come into the market their Mm -hmm. their their heels are being nipped at yeah these guys are doing it better feel it and now the now the dinosaurs are like, Oh my gosh, we have to start integrating new functionality and yeah. start doing things. We social justice is really important. So hell yeah. yeah. Competition yeah. is, it, it breeds more creativity and yeah. it, 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 makes it, it also keeps you from being complacent Exactly, and it keeps you from plateauing. And that's important which, which you to don't the creative. Yeah. You don't, it's important to the creative. Like what, how can I move forward? What can yeah. I do next? What's the next yeah. big
0: thing that I can create? And this has happened to me personally. Yes, (laughs) this has happened to me personally because I was kind of like a big fish in a small pond, and and uh, most of my competition here in New York was um, henna artist in threading salons. There are a few other artists who are kind of charging about what I do, and are you know I refer clients to, but I was being undercut, if you want to call it that, by. These women who would do full bridal henna for like seventy five dollars, you know, working out of a, a threading salon. Or yeah, but the product
1: probably wasn't quality, right? <clears throat> right. Yeah, they weren't. Yeah. So
0: for years, I was like, their product quality is not up to standard. Um, they're not very professional. They're working out of a salon, and you know, they and I and I've heard horror stories where. You know, some bride hires one of these artists from a threading salon, and then she's like two hours late, and she asks that the bride pick her up, and can she provide childcare for her baby, and, you know, just like all these crazy (laughs) stories. So I, I got complacent. You know, the word that you said just really triggered that for me. I got complacent. I was like, eh, I don't have competition. I'm good. And then maybe a year ago, I was like, mm, these people are getting better, A, and B, I'm not getting any better because I've been sitting, I've been resting on my laurels for years, knowing that mm-hmm. these people couldn't touch me because I take credit cards and I, you know, I'm like technologically savvy and I have a good website and I have online, um, booking and everything. I got very complacent and my art suffered. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, wow, there are some really good people out there mm-hmm. and they're pushing me to tap into my reserves and really, you know,
1: active, yeah. active. Yeah, I, I feel mean, like I
0: have to be a better artist now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I have to be more professional. I have to step everything up and I feel good for it. It was scary until I realized that I could do something about it. So I mm-hmm. understand that fear. Yeah. I think, you know, that when I was talking
1: earlier about creating a well-oiled machine or getting a business mm-hmm. to the point where it feels effortless, it doesn't mean not, Spending time every day asking yourself the question, what can I do? That's even greater today mm-hmm. than I did yesterday. Yeah, you know what I mean, like, how can I make day. it better today? But yeah. what, what becomes effortless is that you get into that mind frame. Like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to change the world today? How am I going to set the <laughs> nice. world on fire? Like I, on my website, I have like, you know, I'm going to help you set the world on, uh, help you set the world on fire. And I'm going to supply the gasoline and the matches. Like cool. every day, yeah. what do I get to do that will make the world better? I think mm-hmm. that's really important. Yeah. Um, passive as opposed to, you know, passive is, expecting everything to kind of, kind of just come to you Mm -hmm. and active is going out and
0: grabbing it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I totally, absolutely. So that's a great segue into, I wanted to talk to you about marketing, um, because a lot of your clients are like henna artists. They're a business of one person. Usually Mm -hmm. they're selling themselves for the most part, you know, some of them actually sell products, but they're selling themselves. They're selling their skills and often to individuals. Um, so you were talking about creating a brand and, um, and I, and I think that's one of the things that I, I want to hear how you, how, how you, I walk would, my clients yeah, through how do you do it? How do you walk your clients through it? And how you think it might translate for a henna artist trying to do this.
1: Um, a brand is kind of almost like a personal inventory of your hmm. best qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, i think part of a henna brand would be you know there's i I, i've seen you know i've seen henna so like you you know you kind of have your traditional Mm -hmm. um is it hindi kind of
0: yeah indian like indian yeah flowery
1: flowery stuff and then uh you know there might be a special style that you're also known for Mm -hmm. you know what i mean that Mm -hmm. that could be part of your brand also uh, as a creative individual you 're not just selling kind of the artwork you 're selling who you are as an individual mm-hmm. like so I think what's really, there's this one exercise I do, you know, business wiki is really awesome. And, and I just want to, I, I would like to reiterate like the internets are an amazing tool and anything I'm about to tell you, it's, it's because all out there. <laughs> it's all, it's all out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like how to like go and Google, how to create a great personal brand. So mm-hmm. because I do that every day, I'm mm-hmm. like, because it changes every day information. Yeah. So part of the, yeah. part of my weekly business building stuff is to go out and just find information on what people are now saying about how to build a brand what they're Mm -hmm. saying about seo what they're saying about all this so in regards to brand there's this great article uh i can't quote the url off the top of my head but i think if you google 2010 for exercise you'd find it and it's very I, – I love it because it's just very simple. And basically what you do is you identify 20 words that would highlight you, your characteristics. And she also in it has a list of words that I recommend using because – uh, oftentimes we get very, we plateau in our vocabulary mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. we're like, oh, I'm professional and, um, easy to get along with and authentic, Creative, right. But then, yeah. but then everybody says that about themselves. Right. right. So, uh, I can think you give it's me
0: a link to this exercise. Yeah, I can send you the link. Okay. Absolutely. Right. Oh, so will put, put that on, on yeah, the
1: website. absolutely. All right, cool. It's, it's great. And it, I just How's love the way she kind of goes through the process too. And I think actually she's referring to someone else who had done this, but it's an article about how she goes through this own process oh okay all right so you start with 20 words that kind of define who you are mm-hmm. and your characteristics and I, again i recommend using the list that she provides because it's like a, an extraordinary wonderfully colorful mm-hmm. list of, of vocabulary and then um taking some time with those 20 words and then honing it down to 10 and you do that kind of by finding like there might be words that are similar mm. um and then finally you hone it down to four you have to get really focused and very precise with your brand.
0: Cool. This is very
1: important. We live in a world where we, have, where we are accustomed to messages being delivered to us in 140 characters or less. <laughs> Social networking, right? Mm. So it is now important more than ever to be precise in your delivery of your content and your message. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. So uh, as women, when I work with my, fe- my female clients, we tend to when you're writing content for your ads or your websites or anything like over remote over process, get very complicated, say the same thing twice, but slightly different Mm -hmm. ways, repeat Mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm. And so part of it is editing yourself. And the reason I love this exercise is because it's very Mm -hmm. simple and precise. You get down to those four words, those four words that are you and every decision that you make in your business you look at those four words and you ask yourself is this in line with those four words does this represent those four words am i Mm. being those Mm. four words and what's great you can go a step a step further and you can thesaurus those four words and then what you've created is a vocab list of reinforcement language for content building for your website very
0: cool yeah so i like that
1: um that's a great little branding exercise you know there's a numerous ones out there i you know when i work with a client we do kind of a personal inventory which is like we it's like a um we dive in like why are you doing this Mm -hmm. like why are you doing this work why Mm -hmm. are you here what brought you to this work what do you love about it uh what's your background what's your history doesn't have to just be the work you're doing like just tell me a little bit about yourself um what do you hate about this work what are the things that are frustrating to you um what else how would your colleagues speak about your work? How would your clients speak about your work? How would your friends speak about you? Things like that, Mm -hmm. right? So we start, you know, we start to get this picture because my job, like... People, I think it's great. Accountability buddies are great, by the way. And that's what I... I'm a paid accountability buddy, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's a I'm, I'm paid to point out things that my clients might not see. So mm-hmm. I start with this like kind of personal inventory with a client. And then I kind of note things like, wow, there's something... Oh, wow, look at what she wrote here. This really says something about mm-hmm. who she is as a person. Yeah. And then the next place is we kind of go to do uh, a personal branding. And I call it a personal branding extra credit exercise where we focus on... Uh, presentation how do you want to be seen what is your style right and it's not just like your your actual physical personal style right Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. i remember working festivals and we all dressed as like belly dancers pretty Mm -hmm. much right But that is typical, right? How can you stand out from that? Yeah. What is your style? What do you want to be known for? What if I wanted to be known for the punk rock henna artist and I came dressed up in, like, you know, a
0: mohawk? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or not even just how you dress, but your attitude. Like, do you have that punk rock attitude towards it? Yeah. You know, I.
1: it's oh, henna is this wonderful thing and so you can create modern art out of it like maybe your thing is that you absolutely don't do traditional you know what mm-hmm. I mean so it's like mm-hmm. you can play with all of this stuff and then so we look at that with your style your delivery your pre, you know what are you about what is your expertise that's a really important one mm-hmm. what have you built your reputation on is your expertise traditional is it non-traditional um, is your expertise the way you mix your henna you know what I mean like what is your expertise look at those mm-hmm. things and then finally we do the 2010 Four exercise.
0: Oh, okay. Right? So all of these questions first and then the 2010 2010- Then yeah, the 2010 2010- four that because it because- will help you focus and you yeah.
1: hone down yeah, that absolutely. all that stuff. So that's how we do the brand building oh, okay. um, first. The business, you know, typically the business model is kind of inclusive of the marketing plan, the product that you're selling, how you're selling, and things like that. When I work with my clients, the business model is pretty much reserved to how you're delivering it when you're available. Like what are your hours of operation?
0: Yeah. The practicality. Yeah.
1: The way we identify that is I have my clients do what's called an ideal day exercise where they do like a 20, they visualize what their ideal work day is. Mm. Like it is yeah, it's just creative great. writing. Yeah. And they, they do it on a 24 hour clock. Like I wake up at, you know, you know, an example of one would be like, I wake up at seven in the morning and I, I ask them to be very detailed. I mm-hmm. have a list of guidepost questions that are in, there to inspire, but they don't necessarily have to answer. You know. And then I wake up in the morning. The first thing I do is, you know, I make my green smoothie. Uh, I do meditation for 15 minutes. I do yoga for an hour. Then I jump in the shower. Uh, by 10 a.m., I'm at my desk doing my work for about an hour and a half, um, answering emails. At you know, then I eat a little bit of lunch at 1:30. I have my client who you know, booked me, you know, in advance three days ago and it's you know, maybe a three hour therapy session or a two hour, a simply one hour. Um, after that I do a little bit more work, you know, so what happens is I got, I start, I realize like that this person loves their morning time to themselves. Yeah. Their sweet spot for seeing a client is in the afternoon, And in the night, they like to be in bed by a certain time. That really informs what your business model should be, is how you feel, what you visualize when you're in a really great space. So that's what we do next. And then kind of finally is who's your market, right? Who's your niche market, right? And how we do that is we role play who your ideal client is and... Am I a man? am I a woman what's my name? Why am I calling you? What do I do for a li like really get specific? Mm-hmm. What are my interests um what do I wear? what do I do for fun? what do I read? what kind of music do I listen to what's my social perspective on life what's my political identification um, because I work with sex experts we often dive into where did where did my sex education come from how do I feel about my sexuality um, how do I what, how, what, how do I identify like am I gay mm-hmm. trans um so th- and this is And then all of a sudden you get this picture for this ideal client. And what you're doing is you're intentionally creating the clients that you want to come to your door. And uh, what's great about that is it informs – you can customize your content and your message to speak directly to that person, right? Uh, A great exercise I have people do is – Um, it's a vocab building exercise, which includes the sourcing, the four words that you picked from the branding Mm -hmm. exercise is to identify the magazines or periodicals or books that these, that your ideal client would read. Mm -hmm. And then I tell my client to go get those magazines, those Mm -hmm. books and those periodicals and read them. And while they're reading them, I have them highlight words in the books that are dynamic and stand out to them. So now what they have done is... Through the 2010-4 lesson, they've created their own reinforcement of brand vocabulary. And through this, they create their customer activation vocabulary. So it's kind of this subtle thing where you're reading advertising language and it's speaking to you, but you don't know why. Why? So, you know, a good example of this is someone who is an IT professional will read very different magazines and be activated by very different language than somebody who is oh, a financial professional. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's important because you can totally, if you identify who your market is, you can customize your message using vocabulary that speaks directly to them. Right. And they don't know why they're feeling rapport. They don't know mm. why they're activated. Oh, it's that's because so you're interesting. injecting this language and the most powerful, is when you take both of those vocab lists and you first find the intersectionalities Mm. because that's the bridge. So that's how we, you know, once we identify the niche market, that's how we kind of customize the message to compel them to reach out. And what's great about that is it doesn't mean that you're turning anybody away but you are sort of like in some way speaking directly to this person yeah, because you've studied on, who they are. Yeah. 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 Um, and it also includes like you include their perspective into your website as well. Mm. Right. <laughs> I think, you know, if you're, you, you know, like it's an advertisement is like an apartment, right. In a big building, you can't really, You can add your touches to it, but it looks the same as everybody else, Mm -hmm. right? A website is your personal real estate. It's your custom house, Mm -hmm. and everything you do is yours, keeping in mind that it's a place you want to invite people, family, and friends into, Mm -hmm. viewers, Mm -hmm. right? So, uh, for example, if I am working with – let's say I'm working with a female client that primarily deals with um, like maybe possibly – Heterosexual men who are, have, you know, have feelings of impotency or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I would not recommend that they use pink, right? That they use more gender neutral tones within Mm -hmm. the design of their website. Mm -hmm. Because you want to create an environment... that that client feels comfortable entering into and moving around within on right. your website. Does that make yep. sense? Yep. Totally. So we take all of this and customize the message so that we're delivering content gently to and compelling the client
0: to stick around and call. Yeah. I'm pausing cause I'm taking notes madly. <laughs> um, and, and it's funny because this, what you're telling me kind of ties into that period where I felt complacent and I felt like I didn't really need to try so hard to get clients. And now I'm kind of retooling. So all of this is making me think about my own business. So this is all very um personal and, and uh selfish of me. Who's getting a lot of free advice? First one's I, free, second hour, I charge. Oh, so you're like a crack dealer, I see. <laughs> it's true. Perfect, no, perfect. I mean, like- yeah, I agree.
1: Every opportunity, every, you know, every situation is like an, it's an asset situation. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, maybe someone out there is listening to this and they're like, you know, maybe I'm not her expertise, but maybe I'm going to reach out to her. Like every opportunity is an opportunity to sell your services. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So of course, yeah. First one's always free. Speaking of which,
0: (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Well, sometimes we do that with Henna too. You know, you do, you do a freebie and then they become Yeah, I mean, what I do is,
1: uh, I have a submission form a contact submission form on my website when I go and teach classes, or when somebody reaches out to me I say, You know what here 's the deal. You fill out that submission form, and it 's it's kind of a trick, and i 'll tell you why in a second. You fill out that submission form, you send it to me i 'll give you i 'll give you a half hour of my time for free." But you have to fill out that submission form because in actuality, the submission form is the first exercise. It's the personal branding exercise,
0: hmm.
1: right? So what what what's great about that is in that half an hour, I have a pretty clear picture of who they are, what their business is, what their grievances are, mm-hmm. so I can be precise and in that conversation my job isn't necessarily i'm going to take as i'm going to give them as much information as i can in that half an hour mm-hmm. that will help them if we never spoke each other again it will add value They'll benefit right from it. Yeah. what happens ultimately though is at the end of that conversation they're like so how much does it cost to work with you right you know what i mean and i yeah. I, I, I that's why i teach like the 8 hour classes with the same premise right mm-hmm. every everything i teach in my 8 hour class is a like a quick, fast version of the process that I have, like a thirty-hour consulting package, right? That I take mm-hmm. people through, and it is—it's that reduced into eight hours, oh, right? Okay. Because I want to give you as much information for you to do it on your own and yeah. empower you to do yeah. it if you have the time and the inclination. We're However, like
0: teaching other henna artists, exactly. or teaching other people who to do henna, it's like you could do this on your own. I'm going to give you all the tools for it, and then. You know, so and you ultimately what
1: happens is like, you know, 30% of the people in that class are like, I want to, I want a paid accountability, buddy. And that's what I am. I'm just oh. there to crack the whip and make sure you're getting the, the work done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when you're having obstacles, I'm there to ask you why those obstacles are happening and to encourage you to look inward. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like the, it's like a therapist who can look at your issues subjectively and mm-hmm. give you or objectively, sorry, and give you objective feedback and advice. Mm -hmm. And that's um, pretty rare. In terms of henna artists, uh, how do you, getting really practical, do you have any advice on how henna artists can network, ways in which they can network that will help their businesses, bring them more henna clients? Every
1: major city in the world has um, a wedding A large scale wedding event, like at a convention center, that Mm -hmm. would be a place. Networking with spas, making cold calls, going in and introducing yourself with a business card and a website. Um, There's like numerous ways to network. Uh, Party promoters, um, anybody who goes, like, uh, yeah, like, I mean, is that what you mean by practical information? Yeah,
0: I'm also thinking like, um, maybe non networking things, like maybe a more indirect kind of networking, like places to hang out and people to gravitate towards you know like should they be hanging out at sci fi conventions i don't i don't know I'm just wondering if you have any insight i, into I mean that. I feel
1: like <clears throat> Networking needs to be strategic, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of like, what are my goals, and what are the kind of what are the kind of um, appointments I want to have? Do I want? Am I the kind? Hang do I where like those
0: people? Hang? Do out. I like
1: festivals, mm-hmm. or do I like more one on one? Do mm-hmm. I love doing wedding henna, or am I more of an abstract henna artist? Mm-hmm. Do I want to go out and work and be at uh, working clubs? You know, like uh, I. <laughs> What's the name of the store in Seattle there? It was amazing. It was. Oh my God. What is the name of the store? I worked at a coffee shop across from this store on Capitol Hill. And it was, it was the gay, it was like the gay, the LGBTQ, the major LGBTQ store for Mm -hmm. the longest time. A while ago, this was a Mm -hmm. long time ago. And I, every time the owner came in we would have an it was like this an amazing conversation and I just happened to tell her that you know that I did henna and then she asked me to do henna on her and her partner and then she put me in her store window every single Saturday on Capitol <laughs> Hill and I did henna every and it was extraordinary I met so many yeah, amazing people yeah. and I got walked by traffic and it yeah, was like definitely. it was unusual you yeah. know what I mean I, she put me in the store window It was great because in the summer the store windows came open and so I set up like pillows. And I had you know, my, that's cool. I had my, she's like, I will give you, I'll give you the space. I'll put you in my window and then whatever you make, uh, is yours. Right. Cause I just think it would be interesting to have mm. you. So like, that's like, it's yeah. kind of sharing your love for something and then allowing people to offer you things like that. Yeah. Um, but also identifying what your goals are as well. Yeah. And, um, customizing your networking based on what your goals are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's not casual wouldn't be the term. It wouldn't just be casually hanging out because you're being strategic about where you're going and how you're getting your information out and introducing yourself. It's active. You have to be active about it. Right. Like, you know, um, I talk to everybody. I talk to strangers on the train. (laughs) I remember. I remember being in a like a a cooped up. You know, we live in New York. There's like during rush hour. It's very. It can be very tight and Mm -hmm. snuggly. And I remember sitting next to this woman. It was Fashion Week and um i think the train stopped quickly and i kind of nudged into her and she's like oh it's okay don't worry about it we just started talking and it come to find it come to find out that she did custom lingerie and i cool. said oh i do this and she's like well do you know any because i i i you know the parties and events I go to are like kind of sex positive culture, people who are comfortable with buying. it's just like, I would love to ha- shoot people. I would love to, I need models. You know oh, what I mean? Wow. I would love to work with you. You yeah. know what I mean? And so yeah. it was like, here's not like, it's open up your mouth and be active about yeah. talking about what you love yeah. and it'll happen. Yeah. Like that's the most Even practical. Even if it's not like,
0: how can this person help me? What should I say to them so that they're going to buy my thing? Yeah. No, no. I mean, yeah.
1: I, I felt, I just talk about, I just, Talk about what I love doing, mm-hmm. and it, that's the like the lawyer client, right? Mm-hmm. I just talked about I, there was no reason for me to believe that she would ever be yeah. a client. Yeah, exactly. we were like, <laughs> and even if it, even if I was like that, I simply love what I do. So when I so talk, you want about, to talk it, about it, and I, it, if you love what you do, right, and you really think what you do is going to like change, like be doing art, Hannah, like mm-hmm. that, like anything you do that's creative changes people's point of view yeah
0: right? yeah and your passion really comes and out your passion when comes out mm-hmm. that'll be the biggest that'll be yeah. the most ex-
1: effective sales yeah. tool there is like and that's what sold the lawyer on working with me she's yeah. like i just loved your energy when i met you and you, oh. i know that i'm not the market you normally work with but i i just feel like we could work together and it was great because i um I ended up charging her a little bit less than when I charge my regular clients because mm. it's kind of even though I know I'm really good at what I do, I know some of the information I will uh, impart on her will actually help her business. Yeah. It's also a new market, you know what <laughs> I mean so yeah, I'm like yeah
0: exactly <laughs> I'm, I was thinking in terms of networking, you were talking about um when you you were saying that you get your clients to talk about what their ideal client is and specifically like what they would read. Mm-hmm. and then you read the same thing. So I guess you could also say where does my ideal client hang out? Do they hang out at gallery openings? Do they yes! hang out no, 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 at that's true. local music venues? It's true. It's true. And hang out there. Mm-hmm. And um and that's something you know I I guess my ideal client would be someone like me. So I should just hang out places I yeah, like. Yeah, I mean that's out.
1: like I think that's that's I think you've also nailed something is um I have I have uh I have clients who are, are like sexuality coaches and they want mm-hmm. to make a you know they want they what they feel what they're doing or what the the information they have to give to the world is really important mm-hmm. um and there's they're, but their and their focus is a little we're in New York city. Everybody wants to work with the rich guys on wall street who are devoid of intimacy and sensuality because they work, you know, a hundred
0: hours a week. Right. Actually, that'd be good for somebody who's a sex therapist or a. Exactly. You think that's a great, that's a great
1: market. Right. But when you start talking about like something that you just said is the kind of client I want to work with is a lot like me. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have to be or careful. The ideal me. <laughs> you have to be careful about going after markets only based on their ability to pay. Yeah. Because they might, they're, you might not be able to build a natural rapport. Um, you know, because yeah. I'll, I'll be like, great. So you want to work with the guys on Wall Street. Have you ever picked up a Wall Street journal? Have you ever read the Financial Times? And their answer is no. I was like, how are you going to create rapport with this person yeah. who works What's on your Wall entry Street? into
0: that world.
1: Yeah. And you can't fake that.
0: No. You can't
1: fake that. No. You know what I mean? And Unless that so, is
0: part of your, you know, like if you're well, an you avid investor. If you love money,
1: if you love the idea of numbers, right? Mm. Even if like that is enough, or if you do investing in yourself, or you just, there has to be commonality, you know, yeah. it's... Um, you're, especially when you're doing like sex education and any type of radical sex education or sex coaching or anything like that, you're often, the market you're looking at is outside of the sex positive bubble. Right, people who don't have yeah, access to that, right? Exactly. So, Like
0: you're not going to go to like some fantasy con because those people are already open to your mm-hmm. message and the people that you want to help are the people who are maybe sort of exploring it, but aren't quite open and out Yeah. There. And
1: so sometimes that can cause I I, You know, it's interesting because it's multilayered. Sometimes that can cause problems because oftentimes those people, you might have like diametrically
0: opposed political uh, views Especially on the subject of sex. It's very, you know, know, there's the shame and there's, you know, secretive behavior and whatnot.
1: Oftentimes a lot of the, you know, sex educators I work with don't identify as Christians. However, the people who need Mm -hmm. the ones most are come from that, you know, dogma, you know what I mean? So it's like- You do your homework. You don't step to, you know, most of the time, the, the best work you can do is for people who are kind of outside of your bubble, outside of your bubble, but are still welcoming to your message, but not yeah. so opposite of mm-hmm. you that you'll have to fake authenticity because yeah. that people That's smell hard that to too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They smell the desperation. But definitely like fake. when you're doing that customer, we
1: call it a customer avatar and you can Google that too. I mean, you can find customer avatars on online um, versions of them. Uh, definitely when you're like, Oh, where would they hang out? Where would I find clients like that? That's it. And then go to those places. That is absolutely. Yes. That is wonderful.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I'm getting lots of great ideas here. (laughs) All right, so we have been at this for quite a while now, and um, I had to turn the heater off because the heater is very loud in my apartment. It's quite cold here since it's winter, so we're going to wrap up. And so to to help wrap things up, I want to ask you what you think are the essential keys. You know, it doesn't have to be like the three keys to success, but what do you think are the um, from your work? What are the three areas that you think are most important for? Our listeners, henna artists, to focus mm. on to be successful in their careers.
1: uh you know, I, I mean, there, everything we talked about, you know, in the last couple of hours, I didn't realize you were talking to, talk to us. <laughs> in the last couple of hours, all kind of work uh collaboratively together, right? And mm-hmm. and so ultimately, I think, um, I like. Hard work, like doing the work and attention to detail, making sure that every detail has been taken care of, making Mm -hmm. sure that you're, Mm -hmm. you know, you have a a strong brand, you have a website, you have a strategic plan for networking and marketing, uh, you have take a note of who the kind of clients you want to work for and you've integrated that point of view into your marketing materials. All of this, you have to do all of this. You have to do the work to be mm-hmm. successful. Mm-hmm. There's not, I don't think there's one of these things that you could kind of not include from the equation without it kind of everything falling apart. It's all, everything works together to create success. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say is you know, everything that we've been talking about tonight, make sure you're detailed and precise within your delivery and um, that everything has been – there's a attention and hard, And it's not – you know, hard work is almost like
0: well, – I don't like, like don't, those words. Well, it's, just like don't look for shortcuts. Yes, exactly. I mean, find efficiencies, but, you know, don't think that you don't can get short- away from – dealing with all this kind of foundational stuff, like finding out who you are and who you want to be and who you want your business, what you your goals your are. You yeah. have
1: to, you have to ask yourself all these questions. You can't just like, Oh, I do henna and it's available and I'm going to charge money. <laughs> right? and it's not enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not enough. Who do you like, when are you available where like not everybody likes what are you
0: available to do yeah
1: exactly not everybody likes not everybody likes you you know i'm i i i loved doing festivals and but i liked doing outdoor festivals i didn't like doing nighttime evening all night Mm -hmm. events like Mm -hmm. club events i didn't like that because i didn't want to work with drunk people some people did actually um so you have to ask yourself all these questions you have to ask you know what is your what are your financial goals with this work so you can set your sales goals so you know yeah. what you need to make. Yeah. Um, like, every again, yes, you're right. Don't take shortcuts. Do mm. the work mm-hmm. and then be attentive and uh, attention to detail. Those are mm-hmm. like I guess I would say yeah. that that is that is what I would do. And then what what's great about that is when you build that, it it informs safety already. It inform you won't mm-hmm. you're not dealing with that by having a professional brand by doing all the work uh you create a safe environment i think for yourself because you create an
0: environment where the creeps don't want to come in yeah because you even, invite awesome yeah, clients you're not on their radar mm-hmm. even yeah. you're you're on the radar of this ideal client exactly yeah exactly it's oh, really great advice yeah and even though i've been in the business for 15 years some of this is really revelation or not so much a revelation but kind of a reminder of stuff that i used to focus on and used to be important to me and i think i need to go back and a little fire and under your that. yeah yeah exactly
1: <laughs> i got some matches and gasoline
0: and i know where you live i was i was talking to another um, henna artist who's very successful really talented she used to live in michigan and then she got married and moved to chicago and she was telling me that she's basically going back to square one and building her business just like she did when she first started and, and me i was like i I don't want to go back and do what i did when i was you know still green and still a newbie that's demeaning but when i talked to her i was like yeah if it's not if you're not where you want to be then go back and relearn some of those lessons and redo mm-hmm. some of that stuff that got you where you are so, exactly yeah and this is just a reinforcement of that so it's really great and i'm gonna get some websites from you i'll make mm-hmm. a note of all the things i want to find out that exercise and then um i'll see if i can find a the NLP for dummies and get a link to that.
1: I'll give you a link to my website as well. And a link to your website because we have some
0: potential clients out there for you. (laughs) Uh, But thank you so much. This has been so enlightening. I was hoping it would be this much, but it's totally surpassed all of my hopes for that. So I'm really happy. So thank you I'm always a little
1: nervous when I do these things. Like, I'm like, Oh, I hope what I'm going to say is helpful. Yeah, so it's always good to hear that it was.
0: Yeah, Well, I'll let you know what the feedback is from our listeners, but I really appreciate you coming by and glad it finally worked out after all this time. And uh, (laughs) we've been
1: trying to plan this for months. I
0: know, I know. So, um, and, you know, maybe we'll, uh, we'll uh, work together again sometime in the future. Cool. All right, cool. Thanks again. Thank you. (laughs) All right, bye. That's it for the interview. And thanks for listening. I'm really curious to hear your reactions to this conversation please check out our blog post at caughtredhandedpodcast.com for links to the sites and sources that Donya mentions in this episode. And be sure to go to her site to get a free half hour consultation with her. As for this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episode as soon as it's released. And please like us on Facebook and let's continue the conversation there. Thanks to Nashkaram for the photo, Shlomi Cohen for the music, as usual. Thanks to all of you for listening and supporting the podcast in whatever way you can. It's good to know you're out there, and it's why I do this. Bye.